Podcast like a motherfucker. Welcome to Amazon Podcast, episode number 70. Wrote it down on the sheet. So no, you're not supposed to say it. You're supposed to say episode number and then leave it blank so that the robot says <laughs> 70. I can, always, I can always just put it in. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, as you can hear, we've got Sassiel back in the building. Yeah, recovered. Fully, fully, fully back. I can read. Face reconstructed. I can read things. Actually, I should get my fucking glasses, man. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we're also joined by a special guest from across many ponds. We're back with Christopher. What, what? You want to say something? Yeah, good to be back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, my, 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 my internet here is so shitty, it's basically cutting out all the time, so you're probably hearing half sentences the it, whole time. It sounds all right from, a, from our point of view, but maybe it's just bad for you, so that's fine. <laughs> so it we, is, this all, it's 20,000 kilometers away. This is exactly half halfway around the world. You're coming in loud and clear. Yeah, sounds great. No lag. Go, go grab another one. Brilliant. Yeah, so uh, this episode, the main topic of the show is going to be a KOE review. So the way that we're going to do it is that we're going to pick the things that we like the most and things that we like the least, and we're going to talk about it. So this is why I asked Christopher, who is the resident Amatime KOE expert, to have on the show so that we could do some in-depth analysis of what we think is good and bad in the book. Uh, but first, we have a few other sections. So... In the hobby, Christopher, what have you been doing? Absolutely diddly fuck all. Diddly fuck all. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, last thing I did was in uh, in August last year. Oh, wow, okay. Do you actually have your paints and stuff with you? No, no, like, we, I, we talked about having it shipped here, but then, you know, it would have to be you guys packing it up and my mother trying to bring it, and, you know, I didn't trust half the people involved in that process. So, yeah. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> Not going to say which half. <laughs> no. <laughs> no reason to publicly disclose that. We'll keep that uh, one uh, So I've been, like, I've been, like, the biggest forum warrior, keyboard, you know, meta guy playing games on Warhol and shit like that, but no hobby, no. How are you finding Warhol? Love it. Yeah, I really like it as well. The paid version is much better. I don't think how you can even use the unpaid version, but at the end of the day, considering how much time you actually sink into, you know, ninth age, just just go ahead and buy it. You have the money anyway. So, and if you really don't, then then you can get by with the free version. So, yeah, yeah I, th I think when my UB subscription comes up for renewal, I'll probably switch over, to be honest. And hopefully it's a bit cheaper by then. How much is it? It is fairly expensive. It's quite expensive. I can't remember. Do you know off the top of your head? Need... I think it's like, uh, it's it's around 10 euros a month if you pay them monthly, I think. Oh. Yeah, so 120 a year. I mean... For me, I compare it to like video games. Like, if I want to buy like a new video game on Steam, it costs like fifty dollars or something. Yeah. And it's yeah, like, well, exactly. I have that for the rest of my life. It's not like I have to pay per month. Yeah, I mean, I'm, and I, you know, I shouldn't say this having been in the game industry for many, like almost <laughs> ten years, but like, but I'm, I'm actually kind of a cheapskate when it comes to buying games. So I often wait 
like six months before I buy something. Yeah. Unless it's something I'm really keen on, like the new. I know it's the 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 game that shall not be named on this podcast, but uh, oh, you can. Uh, we're, oh, not, we're, oh, not, we're not uh, Games Workshop ambivalent. Like, the new the new Total Warhammer. I'm I'm looking forward uh, to it. Three. I I pre bought and it's like the only thing I pre I've pre bought and like since since Warhammer since, since Total Warhammer two. <laughs> um, it's but coming I, out soon, right? Yeah, but I did wait like probably three years to buy like the Wood Elves expansion because I was like <laughs> I'm not paying twenty fucking euros for think, this shit. Well, I, I, as a Wood Elf player, I was like jumping on the bandwagon there and spaff my money, and now it's like yeah, five quid or something. Yeah, but when I find no, I think it's still before. When it's not on sale, I think it's still nineteen. It's like crazy, but uh, but when I finally just succumbed and, and paid for it, I was like, you know what, this was worth it. They're really fucking fun. Yeah, you know. But um, but anyway, have you been doing any hobby? Yeah, actually. So a couple of things happened for me. One uh, with the cold weather, it's it's uh, problematic printing because I've been printing in my office, which is up in the main main floor of the house, and and it. it it, you know, the resin does cause like does ex- like leave out some like put out some fumes, and even though the um, the printer I bought has a carbon filter on it, uh, it doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that it's like scentless. You know what I mean? It's just like a little bit better than if uh, if it didn't have the carbon filter. And uh, I started getting a little concerned because I have a I have a two year old son, and um, and without being able to like close the door to my office and open the window because it's you know, minus five or whatever. Um, it feels a little off doing any printing right now. I guess you got to wait for summer where you can keep the windows open. Yeah, exactly. So I can just close, like it becomes a closed circuit there. And I'm trying to, I just had like an electrician install some outlets in the basement. So I'm looking to set up uh, like a little station down there. Um, it may not be great for printing, but I'm, one of the things that also kind of that surprisingly actually held me back uh for the last yeah probably four months is that you know i bought this airbrush and the thing was that i was airbrushing outside so i can't taking all the equipment outside in the cold is also fucking ridiculous right yeah um because you got to sit there and and like clean you got to clean the brush after like every time you use it (laughs) it's been been fucking cold in Denmark. it's cold and and it fucking rains rains all the time 90 percent of the time so uh, so it's I'm really. So, I'm so glad I've not been here for like the whole winter. <laughs> it's like really counterproductive, right? Where I was like, but I'm, but I'm not gonna buy rattle cans because I have this fucking airbrush and I have a huge, huge thing of primer and, you know, all this stuff that I prep for. But, uh, but so what I thought was gonna actually save me a bunch of time and energy has actually slowed me down a lot because the rattle cans I would have blasted off. Yeah. Uh, actually, go, I go through them so quickly. Like every time I, co- I come to spray shit, I'm like. Ah, I don't have the color I want. Fuck. Yeah, and <laughs> that's and that's why I, that's what when I was when I was calculating how quickly I was going through rattle cans, I was like, well, I should just buy this airbrush and this and this compressor because, like, like the combined like considering how much I've already spent on rattle cans and I'm not even done yeah. my first army, I was like, by the time I'm done, by the time I finish this army, the cost of the primer, the compressor, and the and the airbrush is going to be cheaper. But then I fucking forgot that, you know, the weather has to be decent enough for me to sit outside. <laughs> so you can actually only use the airbrush like 50% of the year. <laughs> so even in the fall, it's fucking cold and rainy out there. And I can't go out there, right? And, um, and so 
so yeah, I've got this electrician to come in and put a new outlet in the basement. So now I'm going to go down there with the airbrush and and the printer a, and do the primary. At least the at least the airbrush. I'm not sure yeah. about the printer, um, but uh, but anyway. So oh, so, if you want some more China stuff, one of my buddies is doing another China order. Oh, I've got I've got too much I've got too <laughs> much to paint right now. I've got a I've got a 40k Space Marine Army. I've got the rest of my warriors, and I've got a whole bunch of samurais. I need to yeah. I need to do. <laughs> you have a whole box of samurais. Oh, did you, did, did you did you jump on the forty k wagon recently? Have you always been on it? No, I mean when I when I initially was buying models, I had had a group of friends that were all getting into forty k at the same time as I was getting into Ninth Age, and I was like, "Fuck it, I'll just order from China a whole bunch of Space Marines," and you know, it ended up being like half my order or whatever. Um, <laughs> but the, but then I but then I just didn't build them because I was because I was playing with Henry so frequently. I was like, I want to have my models for this because I know I'm playing. Whereas like, yeah. everybody else is still working on their 40k army, and now they're now they're done their 40k armies and they're playing, and I have a whole bunch of unpainted, unassembled <laughs> models. Um, One step at a time, right? But yeah, but. Um, You'll, then, you'll feel right at home at any 40k tournament, you know, like Space Marine legs on bases all over the place. Yeah, yeah legs on bases, no bodies. Grey leg on black base. Oh, uh, yeah, this one has a, a bolt gun and this one has a flamethrower. And... Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, nothing. I marked up the. <laughs> nothing, I, nothing I ordered nothing I ordered from China was for Primaris. And then I, when I went through and actually got the 40k rules, I was like, well. It's kind of built for Primaris now, so now I have to no. So then I went out and I bought a bunch of Primaris units, and uh, and so now I've got even more forty k shit to build. So I've got like a ton of stuff. Uh, there's no reason for the me pile to pile of shame. There's no, yeah, there's no reason for me to buy anymore. Uh, and I'm gearing up to to just go on a hard spray. But anyway, so because I got the new outlet in the basement, I'm gonna get the the airbrush going down there. I based uh, two. Uh, I printed and based two uh, Feldrak Elders uh, that are pretty dope. Uh, they look really good, actually. Yeah, yeah. I think they're... Do you know where they're from? Which, which company or I which STL company? I think it's Lord of Print from, like, one of their demon, uh, uh, like, to Tome of Demons or something like that. Um, they're really, really nice. They're, like, big, fat-bodied. You know, their lower bodies are, like, really big and fat and... Uh, it's not Lord of Print. We're we just having a look at some pictures now. Anyway, anyway what, it doesn't what else have you been doing? Um, and then I and then I ordered another three regular size Feldrax from Lubart. You know, because you know, we, you and I both bought three Feldrax yeah. from that Lubart minis minis guy back in the day. And then there I was, was like, a, there was a discount code, right? And I sent you it. I was like, oh, you can get 10, 10 euros off if you want them. You're like, ah, I guess I will. Yeah, <laughs> fuck it, I'll get them because uh, what's you know what's better than running three Feldrax is running six. Uh, <laughs> well, now, now you can't run 18 anymore, so you don't need 18 any, 18 now. No, so but you, you can run 12. 12, you yeah. 12 yeah. But I mean, still, I'm still not going to, I don't think I'm going to run 12, but I think it, maybe at some point I'll, I'll proxy your... Um, <laughs> running six today. I'll, I'll prox when, I paint, when I paint these six Feldraks, I'll proxy your, your Knights on Karkadans. As so like the second six. So I can try out a, <laughs> I can try out a, a 12 set of Feldraks in, in an army, because that'll be fun. Um, have, you, have you painted them yet? No, so I based uh, what I did was I assembled them all. I based them, and I put the um, like I did. I did like all the key base work for them as well. Like so, I put down. I have this like uh, paint. 
this like hobby paint with sand in it or whatever it is you know it's like that's this like a texture paint yeah yeah so that's like how i base all my models for the warriors armies i put this i put that down and then after i'm done painting i put the crackling uh paint on top the crackling paint on top which then makes it give it that like badlands yeah cracked it look actually cracked like, it looks the bases look really nice kind of vibe so you did a good job on those thanks man um so i've so i've got all that's all those ready for spring and i've got uh 10 what are going to be uh chosen uh warriors with uh one of them is just like a weapon and shield and one of them is dual dual weapons yeah that are based off of like the corn uh warriors that you use a lot i think they're they're like yeah the new corn bloodbound or something yeah like that. something like that something like that yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so G- I, like I was what I was looking into the new uh, GW range for I think they they call them slaves to darkness now something along those lines maybe yeah, I don't that's, know that's but, the word like the new yeah yeah new range is just fucking ridiculously beautiful I mean yeah that, probably doesn't rank up, up at all but, these days but yeah I mean <laughs> using them for ninth age is difficult so I got all uh, those done yeah. based and with the texture paint. And then I've also put three um, like sorcerer type characters on bases, but haven't put the texture paint on. They're all like um, like Cthulhu, like squid faced cool. characters. You're using them for for sorcerers. Yeah, so I just thought um, because I have basically I have that like I have that dude that I've been using as a sorcerer for a long time. Yeah, who I think looks more like a barbarian or something like yeah. that. And he's just massive, and. Um, I thought oh, I'll just put something that looks a little bit more wizardy. Yeah, cool. Nice. Um, so for me, I finished my Hydra from for my Dread Elves. It's a model from like a Dungeons and Dragons game. I think it's called like Noldor's Marvelous Miniatures or something like that. I bought it from kinggames.dk. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty nice. It took me like quite a long time because I like the three layers on every single scale just to like... Edge it, have you seen it? So you went in and like and like finally painted each scale? Yeah. Yeah, I painted every every scale like three highlights, like edge highlight. And uh, yeah, I think it turned out pretty well. And then added like a little like Beastmaster guy in the front with a lantern that Alex printed me. So yeah, it worked okay. out really well. The lantern well. looks really good. Um, I mean like the mo- like the hydro <laughs> The lantern's great. <laughs> I mean fucking A for that lantern though, Jesus. No, um looks good and it's got that it's got that little Extra samurai, samurai on the front. Yeah. I also like the, like, it's like a snake hydra rather than like a... Uh, Dragon hydra. Wa- walking hydra. I think that's a little bit more interesting than... I couldn't really find one that I liked in general, and this one was pretty cheap. It was like 250 krona. I think it looks great. And um, and a lot of the hydras that I've been seeing um, that, you know, from... That, that you can print, they, they, they really take up a lot more space on the base. Like, I think that that the way that that's set on your base looks really nice yeah it's like a little overhang on the edges but it's not it's not like getting in the way it's not like yeah and you have that room in the front for the for like the flare right like you have the lantern you have the extra warrior on the front or soldier yeah it was really important for me to put the beastmaster on on the base because when i'm playing i always forget that they have i get two extra attacks from the beastmaster Mm. (laughs) so i did the same with my kraken as well i just like put another like samurai on there just because if I don't have it there, I'm just going to forget. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not just a Hydra. <laughs> and then um, I've also been accumulating models for a new army that I'm going to do. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. So 
So I have a. I'm gonna redo my high elf army. What? I'm gonna start from scratch. I'm gonna do a high elf army from Lord of the Rings models. Oh. Oh uh, yeah, you mentioned that actually. Wait a minute. Didn't you already buy this Lord this Lord of the Rings army back in the day? Yeah. So I've I bought a few from China and I've been like slowly like accumulating like metal models from eBay when I see them cheaply or like when I see friends that have them I'm like oh can I buy those off you or yeah I've basically just been accumulating them and now I've like finally reached a point where I have enough models to actually make an army so I'm gonna I'm really gonna like do it really slowly try and paint everything really nicely and basically go for like a like a high off army so I know that I never I never uh, say this because you already bugged me to print you shit all the fucking time but you gotta let me print you a couple of hero characters. I've got everything already. And just, like I just have some. <laughs> I have some high elf, like, uh, like unique models. Yeah. That are so fucking sick. Okay. I mean, you have that. That have that. You have that owl. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, with the rider, which is dope. Obviously. I just finished that actually. That's gonna be my next point. <laughs> oh. oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, Alex printed me like an owl from no idea where, what company it's from, but it's. Uh, I'm gonna use it as like a. Uh, made for my regular high elf army on the eagle. Um, I just finished converting that this week. It's so it's the owl, and then it's like the mage from the dragon kit, the plastic dragon kit from Games Workshop, and then it has like um, the staff is from Last Sword Miniatures. I'm so glad you finally assembled that because like that was one of the first things I printed for you, and I was yeah. really excited <laughs> to see it, like even just glued together let alone printed but I was like and then you were, kept asking me for more shit and I'm like fucking paint that owl man like come on <laughs> I'm getting around to it at least I've built it now like because it, it came with like three wings like on top of each other kind of to give it a bit of depth I guess yeah and then I was like ah oh, you know what fuck this shit one I can't be asked to paint in between all the wings and all the feathers and the mage is not going to fit on so I just didn't put the wings on and just green stuffed over it so I basically like the shoulder of the owl, I like had to green stuff all the feathers and all the connections. You have a look when you see it. Mm. And it actually makes the mage fit on much better. So that worked out oh. really nicely. I'm pretty happy with that. But Henry Henry, I've got I've gotta ask you, like Lord of the Rings is a smaller scale. They're like twenty eight millimeter true scale, aren't they? Yeah. But with my page it's not so bad. So I think when if it's your whole army, it doesn't look it doesn't look out of place. And I've seen like like with my samurais, they're also like twenty eight millimeter true scale. So yeah, yeah. Or like a bunch of them are at least. Yeah. Um, so it's, I think, uh, I think when your whole army is like that, it's, it looks fine. Yeah, sure. And it's, and it's more, more like the case of like characters and shit, right? Like dragons, phoenixes, or is it just going to be like ranked infantry? Well, I'm, I'm instead of, instead of getting all the models for the army, I figured instead of doing that, I'm just going to get a list and, what I'm realizing is that my list style is pretty much the same always. So hopefully the new book doesn't change too much, but assuming it doesn't, then I'm just gonna buy the models that I need for the list that I wanna run. And I have like a fairly good idea of things already. I already have an idea for a Phoenix, but I'm gonna keep that one to myself for now. And I think dragons and stuff, it's just a dragon and then you put a rider on it and you can put a smaller scale rider on a, on a dragon. It's not gonna make too much difference. No, I can't. Did you, did you ever see that? I can't remember. I think his name is Tobias or something. Yeah, he had Danish a massive guy. dragon. Yeah, that was like, that's the biggest. I have, still have no idea how he managed to fit that onto a 50 by 100. Well, he didn't fit, yeah, it, on, he fit it on the ancient dragon base, right? 
100 by was, 150. What, no, that was it, it was way before that. He was playing it back in uh, 8th edition Warhammer. Okay, maybe it is on the tiny base. Speaking of ancient dragons... <laughs> I've got my ancient dragon on the table for today's game. The one thing that I will say about... I mean, the, the model is amazing... But I really think that you should put the dragon like one or two inches higher up on the base because that head, anytime you have to fight like in the front, in the front arc, you're, you're always like turning it so it's ass, it's ass backwards and everything. It's kind of stupid. Yeah, maybe you're right. <laughs> it cli- it, it, like it clips, it clips all models because the head is like hanging down. It's just two, massive, isn't two it? Two <laughs> inches deep and then it's only like an inch and a half off the table. If you, so. if you want to search... Uh, from home and wonder what model I've got. It's, uh, it's like a if you put Joan of Arc dragon into uh, into Google, you'll probably find it. It's it really looks nice amazing, but it cannot sit right on like as long uh, as you've got. I it. modified it slightly and I put like a ball of flame on the tail, and then the rider has like two little pokeballs, so it looks like a Charizard. And I'm going to paint it orange. I mean, <laughs> it's very fancy. Just put it like two inches higher up on the. On the base. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> just build a rock. We'll see if I want to use it first. Build a Every time I've used it, it's just died horribly. Yeah, but like, even if you don't use it, like, I think it's an amazing fucking piece. Like, you can put it up somewhere when you when you finally have a, a nice show show area for all your armies. <laughs> it's a fucking beauty. Yeah, but, that's cool. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So, yeah, that's, nice. that's pretty much my hobby. I've not really been doing much else. I've been traveling a lot this Christmas. Um, so we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and go into what's new in the Ninth Age. back to hammer time podcast uh it is time for the news so what's on the news alex i have no idea <laughs> well uh, there's a few points things. update dropped yeah the points update dropped um there's going to be another points update next week with everything else that hasn't dropped yet sort of finalizing those changes can i say i'm really disappointed in the in the new, <laughs> the new warriors of the dark gods you, you monster can say rules. it you can say it's it. fucking dumb <laughs> It's fucking dumb. Well, why would you I, give... I sent you Craig Johnson's list from Tech. Why would and you were you... like, this is amazing. Yeah, why... All the Feldrax, all the Heralds, all the single models. Why would you why would you give an army a bunch of cool shit and then say like, oh you can only have like three of these on the table or four of these on the table? It's called balance, Alex. <laughs> oh really? I'm I'm not sure. You should probably tell that to the rest of the designers in the fucking ninth age, right? All I hear is every new army gets a bunch of broken ass shit and then the warriors they're like you know what let's make them worse again we're not going to give them anything well, the, uh, warriors are consistently doing well when are they going to when are we going to get something new and exciting we why just is it have always a new gonna, book why is it yeah nerf a nerf book it's, it's, a, it's a new book where things are hard like where it's where it's where the where the units are worse like that's great. You got a new book to play to play shittier, a well, shittier Alex, army. Alex, you just got to build a new army, then haven't you? Like Sauron Ancients are coming out next. Like, just build a Sauron Ancient army, then you're going to get all the new stuff. 
Fuck yeah, that. yeah. I've I've realized that with Ninth Age, you just gotta bandwagon the shit and then enjoy those six months of your book being absolutely OP as fuck. <laughs> I remember I called the the, the stupid. Uh, I I can't even remember what it's called. The Dreadelf character that can be both a mage and a BSB and gave a bunch of buffs and everything. What's it called? Uh, the Temple Exarch. Yeah, yeah. Remember, I said on the podcast that was at by that at that time it was at least one hundred points undercosted, and you guys were like, this is, "I wouldn't use it for an extra hundred points." And now it's been nerfed into like a state where it's a hundred points more expensive, and it still can't be an adept. <laughs> yeah, and I think we're looking at redesigning that at the moment. So hopefully that will change with the Dread Elves update, which is going to come probably in February. But, okay. Um, back to the news. Um, we also had the announcement of the Orcs and Goblins being the next army book after Saurian Ancients. Have you guys been following that? Yeah, I, I saw it. I saw it. I think uh, Saurian Ancients were, were really doing update, so I think that's pretty good. Um, I think what's left out is Beast Herds and, and what War- the hell else Warriors. Is Warriors. O- Ogre Cans. Ogre Cans. Ogre Cans. Uh, did, did you did you see that it was orcs and goblins as next after Sauron Ancients? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I'm just talking about what's actually left before before they've done the whole circle. Yeah, yeah, we're halfway through right now. We're only halfway through. Yeah, well, if orcs and goblins are coming out, you've got Sauron Ancients coming out. You just had Koe. You got Vermin Swarm. You got Dread Elves. You got Demons. You got Warriors. That's seven. Is there another yeah, one? I think. Infernal Dwarves. Eight. So then, yeah. so, so eight have come out, and then you have the Sylvan Elves and UD, which have army books, but they haven't been updated in a long time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think like after the Orcs and Goblins, they're about halfway through, and then I think as well, it seems to be like two army books a year right now, which is pretty good pace. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Not too fast, not too slow. Yeah, you know what they really need to do is like is just make make fucking high elves better yeah like that's 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 a really you heard it here first from alex i'm gonna sound clip that yeah hopefully you can hear hear the deep sass (laughs) i I have no idea what's going on alex has just been sassy because he thinks high elves are broken really i just whenever i'm making lists it's either gun line or i'm looking at it and saying this is just poor man's dread elves yeah i mean alex you're lucky that i don't play gun line to be fair otherwise you just have even more sass yeah, yeah. Because I see, I see the gun lines being really strong, or the bow lines specifically. But outside of that, I don't really know what you know. Cause every, like the characters are so expensive, all of them, and they don't really do anything. No, I agree. Then they do anyway, and I don't I'm know. paying like four hundred points for a BSB that can cast spells and gives magic risk two to unit, and it's like this is like four hundred fifty points in my army where I could have Ex- like thirty swordmasters. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I mean, right? It's it's just you gotta really have a plan, and it usually just evolves around you know a bunch of queen scout with your BSB in there, master, and three bow throws or two bow throws and uh, sky sloop. Yeah, yeah. And then, so uh, otherwise in the news, we've seen quite a lot of new Games Workshop models. Have you been following the release schedule? Yeah, I mean, as you can hear, I've had a lot of time because I've got a sick <laughs> wife and a sick kid in, so, and a month and a half of which, strict corona lockdown. Which ones, which so, ones yeah. do you like the most? So, um, for me, I think, like, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Nighthaunt, obviously, and just recently they dropped, uh, I 
think actually just like crossbow two days guys, ago right? they dropped some new ones yeah crossbow I'm not a big fan of those um, I've been a huge fan of everything else more or less um, there's some new uh, I think the whole Sisters of Slaughter line is that what they're called now like the, the old witch elves but which are not the witch elves which are the Yemma ones which are not the Yemma ones I can't remember anymore like things GW yeah. old Yemma style uh, units. Is, oh, this was was this for like the assassiny guys? Also, those. I mean, GW is just pumping out so many models. So maybe you have something specific in mind. I don't know. Night hunt with crossbows. What a weird fucking idea. Yeah, yeah especially the the, the the bolts. But I was thinking you could kind of do a lot by making the bolts a little bit more magical, like basically just a magical arrow thing. Instead of painting it like a real arrow. Yeah, I mean, these would be cool in your army for like islands. They're still like spectral, yeah. aren't they? They like, still can like float through other units and shit. Uh, this well, this is for Age of Sigma, right? But we're we just commenting on them on the models. So. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, to be fair, I feel like GW has just made some awesome models recently. They like, came out with of... like uh, two like Stormcast Dragon models. Yeah, that was pretty sweet also. They were, they were really nice. Like, I might actually get those, because it's also, you get two dragons in a box. Mm-hmm. So maybe I might use those for my Lord of the Rings models, my Lord of the Rings army. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I have quite... no idea how big they are. Uh, yeah, and then and that's, that's, so that's just hardcore models coming out. Uh, hardcore, sorry. That's physical models coming out, and then you have everything STL coming out at the same time. Yeah. I mean, it's just insane, to be honest. Yeah, there's like so many. It's it's kind of crazy how how much is coming out. Like Raging Heroes just announced like a high elf, uh, Lumineth or whatever the G- GW high elves are called. Um, army like I don't really like any of the models, but they were, ex- like <laughs> a bit over the top from for my taste. But yeah, I never liked the. Yeah, still still coming out with stuff though, and it's quite quite cool to see. It's honestly, it's honestly hard to stay on top of what's being released from miniatures these days. Yeah, I, I'm just... I know. Oh yeah, maybe one news though. There's been a new range of paints by the Army Painter, which yeah. is, I can't remember what they call them. Speed paint, I think. Yeah, basically, basically essentially, paint, right? yeah. yeah, sort of contrast paint. But um, I think I saw I saw a woman do a review of them on YouTube. I can't remember what her channel name was, but it was basically. Whichever paint is better depends on the color. Like you can, there's there's no way of saying one is better than the other. Obviously, army paint is a little bit cheaper, but at the end of the day, it's of course you know that, up to see, preference. I, I heard that paints. the army paint ones were actually better than the GW ones. Well, yeah, so, but it depends on the paint. There's a couple of things that the army painter just generally does well. Like for one, they use droppers instead of pots. Yeah. Oh yeah. The droppers for these ones all have a bead built into them, so when you're shaking them up, like it, it actually it. mixes really yeah. nicely. Um, yeah, yeah. I, all the paints that I've gotten recently from Green Stuff World has also had those in them, and that's just such a. I don't know. It's just so amazing. Yeah, it makes a huge difference because you're sitting there fucking shaking the shit out of any of these paints without a, that doesn't have a bead in them, and like you never get like. Like when they've when they if they've been sitting on the shelf for a bit and they settle, it's it's hard to get like a proper mix again. Um, That's true. Or even when you buy them from the shop if they've been sitting in the shop for a while. 
Um, One thing, sorry. Yeah. Go on, sorry. Well, I was just going to say, like, I use uh, the contrast paints quite a bit as, like, my base for a lot of my models. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not... I'm not completely sold on the idea that you can just use contrast paints and like finish your army with it. I mean, I've seen some people online sort of tutorials where they like the stuff looks decent, but I think when I'm actually sitting there with the model, I'm not satisfied. Yeah, I agree. I feel like the, when you just use contrast paints, it's just like not, not really like enough. I think you need to add extra. And I feel like when people use the contrast paints, they use them in like a really big area. So it's quite difficult to actually, to because you, you need to use lots of different colors to kind of bring out the model. And I feel like people say, okay, I need three colors. So I'm going to do like the scales and the skin, the same color. And then the weapons is going to be another color. And then the leather is going to be a third color. And it just looks quite flat. Yeah. I mean, it, like for me, I, part of it is also like the, the paints are expensive. So it took a while for me to build like a collection of contrast paints that allowed me to have a certain variety, but also, you know, you're picking colors for your army and you want the army to sort of look like it all belongs together on the table. So of course you're going to see like similar colors across units, but I think that, yeah, like when you're dealing with details, it's a bit, it ends up looking a bit cheap or a bit like sort of speed painted if everything is a little too like one colored, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, th I think if you're using the yeah. contrast, you need to use like at least at least some other colors as well as the contrast paints. So I use, so what I often do is I'll put the contrast paints on and then that will give me a really good idea of where my highlights should go. And then my hope is that the contrast paints have settled into the recesses to make all the dark areas as dark as they should be. And then I don't need to use washes or anything like that. Um, because they've already kind of settled in there and then, and then it's quite cool. Like, because you're, you're, you're basically, you know, it's the same sort of concept, uh, as some people have with like Zenithal highlighting where you're like trying to figure out where the, where the light is coming from, you know, like the Zenithal, like base, base code highlighting is, it's really there as like a guide to help you sort of figure out how to light your, your model. I don't end up going too yeah, much. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, I will I, not to open up that can of worms, mm -hmm. but like Senegal highlighting has been something that really changed painting for me, um, especially because I started using, you know, airbrushes with inks. So that just kind of that kind of took my painting speed to like a whole nother level for smooth transitions. And so, and, and when you, and that's when you go even beyond zenithal highlighting, you can just do, you know, directional li lighting on your miniatures and then, then go over it with, with inks and you get the most smooth gradients you could even imagine. So, I mean, that's just, I, you, you can look forward to that by when you, when you have more time with your airbrush, it, it definitely, it definitely, it's a game changer to be fairly honest, especially with cool. things like space Marines. Particularly yeah. space marines. Actually. Yeah, I've actually I've um, I I watched this um tutorial for getting like really like nice yellows because I'm doing imperial fists, where you base uh -huh. coat with uh different um like you you spray on basically in the dark recesses you use like a dark uh a dark pink or like a, a purple yeah dark pur purple, purple I've seen also used. 
and then pink for the medium and then white for the highlights. And then you basically spray on many, like several thin, thin coats of, of yellow ink. And then like the pinks go into these different browns and oranges. And then the whites are really vibrant yellow. Is that how you've done your yeah. warriors? Um, I didn't, so I didn't do the warriors that way. Like I showed you a couple of test yeah. runs that I did. Like I have a set of knights um, that I that I did in that style, but I didn't get enough white on them. Mm. So they're they're quite they're they're mostly brown. Uh, and when I do it sort of the right way, quote unquote, I'll use a I'll use a fair bit more white okay. uh, in different areas. Uh, to, to get those flashes and that's one of the things that I need to sort of figure out is when I'm spraying stuff on is like being a little bit more creative with where like the highlights are and where, and also where the dark points are because I kind of did it very very Zenithal style like I just did like the top angle is where all the whites get hit and when I saw some videos of how some other people do it you know they'll just like on a pauldron they'll just flash a bit of extra white somewhere just like you know the light is hitting it in a certain way and it ends yeah. up making this much more dynamic gradient on the pauldron instead of it just being like very so like when you're looking at it when it's on the table because you often often you're looking at it from above when, you're, when it's on the table and if you're looking at it from, on the table and you've been you know hitting it with a zenithal from above you're basically getting all of the bright color looking back at you you're not mm. seeing any of the gradient or anything so when you're actually when you're looking at them and you're holding the model up you're like oh that's cool when it's sitting on the table, it just looks like one color. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, I think that's where like the, where well, a little bit of the, the artistic right? creativity. You, yeah, you, need, you need it to be able to pop from like eye level at the table rather than like getting close to it. Yeah. So just looking down on it is when, is, is how most people are going to see it. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that takes a little bit of like, yeah, experimentation and a little bit of extra creativity. I haven't, I haven't sort of figured out yet. Yeah, so I, I pulled up the, the GW releases from Vegas, the like the convention. Um, they've released like some Dark Eldar stuff. I think Ninth Age relevant. You have like the Avatar of Cain guy. I don't know if you've seen that, Christopher. Yeah, yeah, with the three different heads now. And yeah, I like for me this model is a bit. I mean, I'm not a forty k player, but it's it's stupid. <laughs> it's like it's on fire. And like the blood from the hand just looks weird. Looks like a looks like wax. Yeah, I mean, I think you could probably use this as like a altar if you wanted to go down that route with the dread elves. But is this thing gigantic? Yeah, it looks pretty big, right? It's probably like this. I'm doing for those listening. I'm doing like a about an eight inch like finger pointing thing from the table. Oh. And um, there's also been like a new like bloodthirster demon scourgey thing, which could definitely be used in the ninth age. I don't know what size base it's on, but that would be a really good scourge of wrath. I think it's called Kabanda. Is the Games Workshop name? The Demon General of Corn. For I think it's a Horus Heresy model, but I'm sure people will make make use of that in the ninth age. To be honest, isn't the Scarbrand model just plain awesome as it is? I didn't even realize there was a need for another big red demon. Yeah, I, th I think... I, Whatever I you want to. <laughs> I think this is more of like a collector's model, right? Like people just want to buy it. Yeah. 
maybe. No, I think that's probably if it's a horror series model, which I think it might be. Yes. No, it's just because I know that horror series has a you know has a lot of fans around, and you know, and, and especially those collectors pieces. If if that's like the main antagonist in the book, then then yeah, definitely like Smaug from the Hobbit. I don't think a lot of people plays with that model, but you can have it. <laughs> what I was gonna say is like one of the things I I tend to not like um, in models is like for example in that one, he's got a really long whip. Yeah. And like when you've got a bunch of plastic that's like sort of unconnected, twisting out in the air and everything. For me, like wrapping it up, taking it places. I mean, God forbid you ever fucking drop it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, the plastic is a little bit more durable, but yeah. Like but when it's, it, I mean, yes, but like when you've got like a one thin twisting thing that goes like all around your model, durable or not, like. Do you, do you want to hear my conspiracy theory on this? This is GW being like, well, if it breaks, it breaks, and then they have to buy another one. Oh. Uh, I can I can actually tell you what I think that's about because I, I have a, I have this is a this is my theory of it as well because the GW has had this tendency to move towards even more elaborate you know uh, as floating things uh, you know things that kind of look like they're not connected they've had a, like a big fetish about that uh, these past five years or so yeah and I think it's actually because it's it's one of those things that are very hard to do with even with 3D printing and stuff like that converting and so so when you make models that you just you you can't necessarily 3d print a, a construction like that i mean or at least it, maybe it's very difficult i don't know um especially with some of the like the night haunt models like they just i don't see it being possible being 3d 3d printed if you if you don't if whoever designed the miniature is not really conscious about where he puts you know some extra strengthening thickness in the in the i don't know ghostly garments or whatever it is yeah. so I think I think it's more of a to protect against that to prevent yeah. to prevent China casting basically <laughs> more or less yeah yeah. you can't really fake what you can't make yeah speaking of which um, there's a new Nighthorn character model which is called a Veyon of the Withered Quill which is like I think yeah. this one's actually really cool it's one of the better ones that they've come out with, with it from this range. Like I could definitely use this as a unit filler in my Ninth Age vampire army. Bookmaster. Yeah, it's like a ghost with like a book with a quill and like a lantern. Have you seen this one, Christopher? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, personally, I'm not a big fan because I like the more sinister look of um, of many of the other Nighthorn models where they're more bleak. You know, with you know bleak masks and whether they're not. Yeah, this guy looks like a Harry Potter nerd. Yeah, this one could be in Harry Potter for sure. <laughs> but I think that's maybe yeah. also the market that they're going for. Harry Potter and the it's also boring the paint ghost of fucking yeah. Christmas past. The, yeah. the paint job on that model specifically is actually a little bit different to the rest of the lineup. Like most, usually it's much more blues and blacks. Yeah. This, this one's, one's very green. Yeah, exactly. It's quite cool though. And then as we talked about, you've got the, the guys with the crossbows and then the last one, the GW released this week was yeah. the Beastmaster. This fucking whip. Dreadoff model. Come on. Yeah. This whip. I think she's even called a dominatrix or gladiatrix. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hi, gladiatrix Yelena. Yelena. Yeah, yeah. Dominatrix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean. It's yeah. a nice model. 
I, I don't, I don't, I actually don't like it. It's very similar to like the Hydra Beastmaster. But it's, it's because of that whip. I don't, I really don't like the whips and stuff. I don't, I don't like those, like, um... You could just cut sounds it like you could just cut it off. Sounds like, uh, sounds like a bunch of childhood trauma coming in there. <laughs> oh, no, this is, this is, this is early adulthood. No. Um, it doesn't really look that realistic <laughs> to me. Like, the way that the whip is actually moving. Obviously, like, fancy... She's got gigantic norks. Bloody hell, look at that. <laughs> I just also, you know, like, they, they, they put her up on a, this stone pedestal just to make the whip longer. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it could have been fine if it was just a regular whip, but then like maybe it, it wouldn't be that special. To fit it, like, on this on this sort of small small base, they've done this huge sort of whirlwind twist on it. And, like, yeah, I don't... I just don't... No, I just don't not buying it. it. No, I mean that's anyway, not. Anyway, the biggest, the big, the biggest news is anyway that the, the you know the points have changed in ninth. That's, that's <laughs> really the biggest news. Yeah. And KOE has dropped, but I think if you have to be living under a rock not to realize <laughs> that. Yeah, we have one more section to go through, um, which is pretty exciting. Section, pretty exciting actually. section. We got some new models. Sponsor, sponsor, sponsor. <laughs> we should have a sponsor song. We have a little advert that we put in actually. Do you? You don't listen to the podcast, so you I haven't listened to the new ones because I haven't been on it. I love <laughs> listening to myself, you know. So. <laughs> well, now you're going to get to hear the advert. <laughs> you know, it's funny. This though, guy is so smart. Like, I should be more like him. I was like listening to, to I was listening to some stuff on SoundCloud and I have like some of the, our older episodes like favorited on SoundCloud. Yeah. And I like listened to a bunch of tracks on SoundCloud and then like our podcast started coming on and I was like, oh, I'll just listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, there we are. Um, I used to listen through to every episode, but I don't anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm I mean, fed up with the sound of my own voice. <laughs> if you're editing also. Then yeah, like I've only listened to it like twice through. But yeah, so we got a sponsor. And, and this is, it's been a little while since Henry and I have linked up in human form. Uh, so I, so you've gotten some stuff earlier already. You're correct. Um, but I haven't seen the stuff that I ordered until today. Correct. Yeah. And well, first I think we should plug them. Yeah. So the sponsor is Weird Farm Miniatures. Um, you can find them at weirdfarmminiatures.dk. I think it's weird hyphen farm. They're a print shop in Denmark. And they focus on like really high quality, really good service. And I think Alex can go through and talk about some of the miniatures that he's received. And then we've got another little delivery today of some more. So yeah, let's let's uh, let's talk about the quality. Yeah. So um, what I asked for um, when Henry brought up that uh, we were getting the sponsor and they had some stuff was. I thought maybe it'd be cool to get some more heroes for my Chaos Army or Warriors Army. Excuse drink. me. Yeah, I got to drink up shit. <laughs> Just get some get some more heroes um, because I have some. I have a few, but they're all they're all from like my China Cast Game Workshop set, and I was like, I want some more like more unique stuff. Yeah, um, it's a bit more standoutish, and uh, but still in the same theme, you know, horned helmets you know, cool armor, like all that kind of shit. And, um, 
They have a nice selection on there. I'm not sure who the models are from for the two that I selected, but I mean, I've got one guy who has like a badass Warhammer with a bunch of spikes on it and like a shield. And then he's got like an extra ax on his like, on his belt and like some skulls and like a fucking skin. It's from the some... Daybreak miniatures. Nice. I believe. And so, it, and, and it's, it's really, this one is like a little bit more, um, you know, he's sort of like got a lot more, like a little bit more skin showing on the upper body, right? Like he's a bit more chesty. So as, as someone who's 3D printing miniatures, like what do you think about the quality, like the type of resin that they use, that kind of thing? I mean, it feels good. It's got some flexion to it, which I really like. Um, some resins are a bit more brittle than others. And I've, I've read about different resins and, and I use the water soluble stuff basically just for safety and, and convenience because like otherwise having like a bunch of isopropyl alcohol for cleaning my minis is just like just one more big vat of chemicals in my house that my kid could end up touching Drinking. or playing with. And <laughs> yeah, like, yeah so, so. I feel your pain on that one. <laughs> so I'm just like, well, I'll just do the thing that has like the least, the least amount of like the least amount of potential toxicity by volume of content contents. So I've been going with that and, I, and I've been fairly satisfied with it. Um, but, it, but you know, there is, I think, a little bit of like a hardness that creates like a brittleness on the, the yeah. stuff that I've been printing. They, they kind of shatter, especially if you drop them, it's game over. They can, they can definitely like snap, yeah. right? Um, I mean... But this one, I'm just going to drop one of Casimir's on the table now. I'm not even afraid of it breaking because it's... Yeah, it I mean... Bounces. I mean, man, Casimir's models are sorry, a bit different than the one I have. The one I have ordered has a few more, um, like, because the actual sculpt, which has nothing yeah. to so, do. So the sculpt is called Higarath Double Slit, and it's from Daybreak Miniatures. You can find it on Weird Farm's um, website, weird-farm.dk, if you go to Warriors of the Dark Gods. I think it was, like, page three of the Warriors page. So like nothing to do with the print, but like this is all sculpt based. So it's not, has nothing to do with weird farm and, and the quality of what they're doing. But the print itself has a few like very, very fine pointy bits. How would you compare the sculpt to the picture on the website? But overall the detailing is awesome. Uh, way more in my opinion than a GW mini. Um, on the overall body, the, and as far as the print is concerned, like I don't see any uh, lines, any print lines. You know, when you're using a VAT-based printer, um, it prints, you know, sort of the same way that you do a CAT scan in layers, right? And, um, and if you're printing uh, a bit thick, uh, you know, to print faster or whatnot, you can end up seeing the lines the same way as you can see in like some of those uh, like, and you see the more rudimentary printer, 3D printers that you wouldn't use for minis, but, you know, they use for other stuff. You can end up seeing the print lines on it. I don't see any print lines here. It's very smooth as far as, um, like, from one layer to the next. And then, uh, and then the detailing between, like, the different items on the body and the musculature and stuff is really fine. So I'm really excited to get this thing glued together and primed and printed. I think I'm going to add this to my... My, my big bash of uh, stuff I'm going to spray down. Yeah. And then I got a second one, which is uh, Skirmins of the Old Machines, um, 
who's just like another Warriors type dude. But what I liked about him when I picked him was he had kind of a like Templar Knights sort of look with like the um has like a tabard on the front yeah that's what it's called like a tabard like looks like that it's like that tunic or whatever that goes over top of the armor yeah and i love that look i mean i I recently watched um kingdom of heaven again (laughs) friggin love that movie movie. and don't get me wrong the templars and that are super douchey but they like they look really cool with like their plate mail and Tabards. And tabards and stuff like that. Cool. But uh, but this is also really rich in detail. Uh, again, like every, I think I feel like every little bit of the detail that's on the picture you can see on the model. Yeah, for sure. Now again, the shoulders. So these there are these little hooked spikes, which look thicker, and like more sort of, and and, and more sort of fuller, uh, that are like on the shoulder on the shoulder pauldrons. I guess you call them. Um, but, uh, and then when they're actually in real life, they're a little bit thinner and a bit more Barbie, <laughs> Barbie, they have barbs, if you know what I mean. Like they're, they're, they're pointy, kind of pointy. Yeah. Um, you know, so they look like stuff that would have a bit of a snag on them as opposed to the way that to me that they look on the, on the, on the render on the website. But again, when it's glued together, painted and primed, maybe some of that pointiness will come off with the extra layers of paint that's on top. And, um, and, and if the, you're really worried, you can like file it down or just chop the Barbie bits off. Yeah. And the, and I mean, but, but besides that, the detail on this again is just gorgeous. And one of the things I really like about these models is that they're sort of, they're sort of like filled in so like the legs don't have any gaps in between them. It's like the, like all of the sort of skirts and the tabards and everything kind of hang down and it ends up making like a thick base for the model. So I'm not like, I'm not worried about um, whether this is going to crack on like, like where like it'll break off on a leg, like, you know, cause there's some of these like um, on some of my China casts, for example, there's like one foot that's on the ground and the other foot is sort of raised in like a running stance or something like that. And so like you've got the model balanced on one leg pinned down to the base. And then if it cracks, like if it falls or something, there's like, it's it's sort of like thinking of like a, you know, the same way that you can think of how um, like a stone sculpture has to have a certain amount of stone at the bottom to support all the way to the top. Yeah. Like if it cracks on that low, small, thin piece at the bottom, my only option is to hope that I can pin it back together. Yeah. Whereas with these, I've got like no fear because they're really, the base is like a column, like, yeah. Right. Where the modeling is, it's really nicely done, right? It's done super detailed and it looks, it looks like finely detailed, but it looks sturdy. And what, and, and we kind of mentioned the resin before, but like, I feel that the resin is like, is like the perfect sort of, um, like, brittleness compared to a flexibility like it's it's not going to shatter it's it's good detail it's not going to like i mean i've got break I, one of the so the second model has this has this sword right this is as the weapon and um and i'm just like touching it and playing with it a little bit and it's got like flexion to it yeah so it's not going to bend it's not going to break if you bend it yeah if you drop it it's not going to hopefully break. it's not going to just shatter because also the thing with these with these weapons is um, they're too thin to pin. Yeah. Right. So if they break, 
I have to just put a whole new weapon on. I have to come up with, like, get a new weapon. Yeah. Which means I'm going to have to, like, can literally I, I, paint a thing and stick it I, on there. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Can I just make a quick observation? Of course, I don't I don't have the models there, but something I've noticed with a lot of uh, edits. So I'm, I, it seems to me that the weapons are, you know, the swords and the, you know, whatever it is on the, the rats things, they, they seem to be very straight. They don't seem to be, like, bent out of shape or anything. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yep. Yeah, so so that's that's to me is a sign of, of a quality product because I'll, even the stuff I get from Raging Heroes, like a lot of the time the resin has been bent to some extent, and I either have to try and fix it, and it often just warps back into the bended shape. Yeah. Uh, even so, so so to me at least that seemed that's a huge plus. Yeah, I, I agree. And, I and have, of course, I have a, a model from Mercia Miniatures, which is like a, a Minotaur character, and when I bought it, the axe shaft was a bit bent and i tried to bend i put, tried to put it in hot water and bend it to kind of straighten it but it it and it did initially but then it went it warped back to where it was before and and now it's like just a bit weird so i've actually cut it off and had to put a new axe shaft in but with these you're not going to have that problem yeah i mean they look really they look really great and um just looking at the rats right which are the ones that cast the customer yeah. ordered. so the customers ordered some um vermin swarm um they're called ratmen sewer runners i guess he wants to use them for the whatever unit that is these days <laughs> not gonna not gonna risk drinking on that so what i what i like about these and and actually it's something that i would that i would prefer in general that they do because what i find with um with print like so print design companies so not the printers themselves but the the, the companies that are that are that are that are actually drafting these models, what they often do, I, f I find, is that they make stuff that looks really pretty in three D, um, but that ends up having like a lot of fragility, fragility, or being like ends up being very delicate in real life, and these rats have like lovely, like really beautiful detail, and they're th like they're actually like kind of they're well um, built. Like the the models are drafted in a way. Yeah, they, these are from Duncan Lauka or Duncan Shadow. Were they the really? Company. Were they? Yeah, Shadow Luke. Yeah, yeah. He's awesome. Um, I, so, I I still I follow that guy. And and the thing about them is like the weapons are thick, the um, the limbs are sturdy. Even the cloaks have like a, a, a like a thickness to them that gives them a sturdiness that um, makes you feel. I think. As somebody who's a printer, makes me feel confident. When I look at like the samurais that you got, not to jump jump too quickly, like they've been printed immaculately. Um, but like the sword blades on them, it's we're lucky that they that that this guy's resin is so flexy because the sword blades on those are so delicate. Yeah, that like it's terrifying for me when I look at them. I'm like, oh man, if I wanted to print something like if I bought those STLs and I printed them at home. Like, they're gonna snap. I'd be terrified. Yeah, right. And actually, I have a bunch of samurai models that I'm, you know, gonna be printing when I finally get to that army. Um, that is good. That I'm, that I'm super worried about. Yeah, I mean, and and these are the just moving over to the samurai ones. They're they're like really nicely printed. And, and who, well, who modeled these ones? Uh, these are Tyson Forge. Blade Tyson Masters. Forge. Yeah, wicked. Yeah. This is one of the one of those that we got in the Kickstarter or okay. the the Patreon thing. Oh, we did. Um, but yeah, and also one thing that 
I will mention is that he's he's also like he's such a nice guy. He's so helpful. Um, I'm just gonna lay these out for Alex now. But what he asked me, he was he even asked me like I said, look, I want I want twenty samurais um, for my dread elves, and I've got I've got these. These are the files I've got. Can you print me them? Like seven of each. And he was like, and he wrote me back like, hey, do you want me to mirror them all? So then you have different poses. Yeah. I was like, yes, absolutely. So you can see that That's he's awesome. so he's actually like gone out of his way to ask me like, do you want me to mirror them for you? Like no problem. And he's also mirrored all of Casimir's uh, rats as well, so that they all look a little bit different. And that that like extra service, I think, is just like really nice when you're when you're getting models. Yeah, like you're sitting there trying to build like. We get we get as many models like when we're buying STLs we get as many as that as they've made, but and that might be four or five for the for what the STL team thinks is a unit, but you need twenty, you know. Yeah. And you're like, well, so now I just need to repeat these five guys. Yeah. Four times with these four guys five times and like, if it's only four models, that means that in your front line there's gonna be a double, you know. Uh, they're pretty nice. Yeah, so to do a mirror. So like the know. kind of service that he's giving. Um, he also told me as well that um, he's having a lot of correspondence with customers about the KOE nights that he's been printing. I guess um, I guess at the moment uh, a lot of people are ordering KOE models from him because he has quite a nice range of KOE stuff. Um, just just on that, like if you go on the news section of the Ninth Age forum at the moment, I actually put up a, a big list of. KOE models made by Weird Farm Miniatures where you can just go through and have a look at all the different stuff for each unit entry. But he's also saying that um, his customers are actually asking for some like scale questions. So they don't necessarily want like big 32 millimeter scale like knights like GW have, or, and they don't necessarily want like the 28 millimeter scale historical. So what he's done is on the KOE models on his web shop, you can actually get 30 millimeter scale, which is kind of in the middle and that should be able to like link all your models together if you're using like a mix of historical and gw stuff can, can i also just quickly slide in there and say they have so he's basically got a lot of different stuff on his website he's got from for everything for dungeons and dragons and you can sort in between all kinds of different models that you might want based on race or if it's a faction in the ninth age you can sort it out for that as well which is really helpful and for those of you empire of soul style players out there he's actually one of the few that i've found because i well the only one to be honest in europe at least um that prints the highland miniatures uh empire of soul range which is to me, at least, it's it's really great because it's it's in many ways a legacy a continuation of the old um, GW line. In many ways, I think they're actually better. The same. They're a bit kind of grim, darker, right? They're kind of a bit more like real realism, but still at the same time, it's like the kind of Renaissance feel. Yeah, they're easily recognizable as as Empire of Stone and he's got a, a good few different interpretations of, of things you already know. There's also in terms of Highland Minis, there's also you know weapon options for certain units and stuff like that. So it's just if you've been looking for a printer for your Highland Miniatures, and based on the quotes, I haven't had the figures in my hands, but based on the pictures I've seen, I mean, I, I wouldn't hesitate. Um, so yeah, just putting that out there. Uh, yeah, one more thing is also that the 
he's also sent us uh, some bass samples. So what he's done with the basses is he's making like GW style like, what would you call it, like beveled basses? Yeah, beveled uh, square basses. Yeah, beveled square basses. I'm sure he does round basses as yeah, well if yeah. you want him to. But what he's done, he's actually put like magnet holes in the bottom. Love it. So they're actually perfectly sized for five millimeter by three millimeter magnets. So if you want, um, if you want like bases as well, I mean, he's probably going to send you bases with every miniature, but I'm sure if you want something specific, he, he's probably going to be able to make them for you. But this is just like an extra nice service that you get like a base with like a magnet hole in. And, and that's quite cool as well. And he says he's been developing these recently. So, and like, I honestly can't even tell that they're printed. Yeah. Like the, these bases don't look printed to me. They look, they look molded. Um, maybe just looking through the bottom, I can see the layering on the bottom, but it's smooth on every side. So like what a bonus, Yeah, you know, to be able to just like quick, quickly glue your magnets into your bases. I mean, we get, uh, you turned me on to that wood base company uh, in the what UK. What do I use? I use wall bases. Yeah. But now I'm not really going to use them anymore because the import taxes on UK stuff is a huge pain in the butt now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I'm kind of like looking for something new, but, um, but yeah, if he does also non beveled, I might even, you can maybe ask, over. you could probably ask him. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll shoot my mail. Cause I'm, uh, because I'm really much more partial to like the bases lining up yeah. so that like my, so my basing work, uh, looks like doesn't have any gaps. In yeah, yeah. Because like when you're painting the edges of the bases, if you're painting them black, like I am now, um, then you're gonna end up having these like V's. Of Once you go black, you don't go back. Like black, yeah. black edges. Uh, like my high elves with the, with the brown edges. I'm just like, ugh, disgusting. Yeah. The black, black edges every time. I mean, I had my. I started out with gray edging, which I thought was really great, and then you just kept shitting on them for like three months. <laughs> like, make them black. Alex. And then I make finally them changed. And I'm like, okay, they look a little nicer <laughs> this way. But you know what? I was, I was, I thought I had a style going. But anyway. <laughs> Thanks again, Nils. Weird Farm Miniatures, really, really high quality stuff. You know, if you're curious about how they can help you and you have a special order, just write them. Very friendly and very helpful, so. Yep, and, I, and I'll say like the last thing. Um, Nils is like a really nice guy, and if you want something printed and you have some kind of request or specific requirements, let's say he wants you to rescale, or you want him to rescale, or you want him just to to do like um like as we said like a mirrored print or something like that just write to him his his communication is really good and he'll get back to you within a day or two and and um yeah he's he's happy to help and happy to um to to, to discuss whatever you might need and if you want to get in touch with him you can find him at info at weird-farm.dk um so yeah. yeah get get in touch with him if you have some specific need and he's happy to help Having like now to be, to, I just need to precise that the website is weird, hype. What you call it? Hyphen, hyphen. Uh, farm dot dk. Weird dash farm. Yeah, weird dash farm dot dk. <laughs> yeah, I would just say you know like, I know it's been a we've been trying to get together to do this review for a little while, mm -hmm. and uh, obviously. Uh, you know, to Nils, I apologize. It took me so long to do this. <laughs> the surgery and, you know, Henry being away, it was tough to get in and, 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 and actually meet in person so I could see the, see the prints. But now that I see them, I'm so excited. Um, I mean, I'm, 
having printed probably 300 models now myself uh, and had tons of trial and error and whatnot, I'm wildly impressed. I think they're, I think they're amazing. And they're, they're not just, they're not just like table quality, like, which is what I've mostly been. My main concern is that they're table quality. These are like, these are like showpiece quality. Um, so they're really, really great. High quality minis, uh, high quality prints. Um, you know, he obviously, uh, puts, like the layering, he's he's picking like a very thin layering. Uh, so he's so where something that I might print might take an hour or eight hours, his are probably taking like thirteen to sixteen hours uh, when he runs a print, just to make sure that like the smoothness uh, over a flat surface is really really there and that the details are really really high and it looks fantastic. So. Good on you, Nils. Weird Farm Miniatures. Double thumbs up from Sassy Al. No sass coming from me on this one. <laughs> no sass on these. You know, um, mad respect, and I really appreciate the sponsorship, man. Thanks so much. Weird Farm Miniatures. The best place for 3D printed miniatures. Weird Farm prints at the highest resolution with the best quality resin. This means that their miniatures look great and are more flexible than regular 3D printed miniatures. Weird Farm are a print shop based in Denmark and a part of the Night Edge community. They offer great service at a good price. Weird Farm Miniatures, for all your 3D printing needs. Made by Night Fagers, for Night Fagers. You can find Weird Farm at weird-farm.dk. Welcome back to Avertime Podcast. Uh, Co-host Sassy Al over here with your main man HP Miller and Christopher coming at you from across the globe. Hope you guys have been oh, yeah. tuning in so far. Um, we've talked about a lot of cool shit. Hobby, 3D printing. Uh, news. News. And now we're on to the finer things in life. Another newly presented OP ridiculous <laughs> new book for the Kingdom of Equitaine. All you KOE players out there, I just want to start off by saying... Uh, fuck you. <laughs> and uh, I look forward to hearing about how shitty this book is. Let's go. So yeah, fuck you, Christopher. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> so disclaimer, um, I'm I'm part of the design team for the KW book. Um, I'm not oh. like officially a designer, but I'm the coordinator for the project. And so I do have um, some kind of say in like what goes on. Like at least I'm not necessarily a designer, but I'm more like a... A checks and balances kind of person so so i can blame a you moderator for the koe nerds that can't control themselves yeah some something like, like that a, like a stepdad that has to beat the redhead stepchild once in a while yeah the the soulless ones i doubt it it's out to me based on what i've what i've uh, heard about this book so far it sounds like you've uh, you've you've been really really helpful with the checks and not so much with the balances but let's find out <laughs> It's well, like it's like you're not you're the you're the cool stepdad who's taking kids out for ice cream and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I I think I have to try and see it from both sides, right? Like, I I understand that people want like all their toys, but at the same time, like I I see it from an outside point of view because I don't play Koe, so I think it's good to have someone like that on the team who's, like, saying okay, maybe this is a little bit too much, or maybe we should tone down this, or 
think this idea is over the top or something like that. So, um, but it, it's not everything that I say gets acted upon, and yeah. it's not my, it's not always my like say. It's a team yeah. effort. I just want to say like I'm part of the team, and like I've I have a like a stake in this book in the extent that I'm responsible for it. You're not the yes no guy. You're but you but you're uh you're 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 a hopefully a voice of reason amongst all of yeah the, all, like, amongst I all like, of the knights. I like to think so, and and as well like as part of the background team, I'm also helping a little bit in the background, like making sure that things are following like the the vision and the stuff like that. So that's kind of my role in the book, and I think Christopher, maybe you should just mention like your experience with Kiwi. Yeah, sure. Okay, so so the main issue with Old KOE was that it was the book with the least variety out of all the books, as far as I know, at least. And and even with that lack of variety, there were a couple of dead choices that you very rarely saw. So so um, they it was not like it was an an unplayable book, but it had basically been the same book since you know uh, GW stopped supporting it a hundred years ago. So it was really do an update. Um, obviously its thing is that it has these special saves and the knights have armor saves so and and that was kind of also one of the design things that was going to be carried on um, judging from the design guidelines and I, I think to a big extent that's what we got the the things that the book was supposed to do well was you know first turn damage first run of combat damage when you were charging and it had high mobility, um, you know, some shooting, but it wasn't a gun line style of play. And it was to be very character centric. This basically was the, uh, that was the design guidelines in a nutshell for a KOE. Yeah. And, and how, how, long have, how long have you been playing KOE? Uh, since, I mean, our first game, I heroic killing blowed your dragon lord. That, that was the, the, first, the first time I met you was, was that game. <laughs> we it was like, I just started playing uh, eighth edition again, and I went to like my first tournament, and Christopher heroic killing blow my dragon, and I didn't know what it heroic killing blow was. <laughs> yeah, like so oh, that, was, that, that would be that would was that would have been before eighth edition or that was just was around eighth, eighth, edition. eighth edition was that that tournament. So what is yeah, that? What, but I think it's just for for a, a guy who's never been heroic killing blood. That's a, a special you, attack. You roll a six and your model dies. If yeah, if I if, like, if Christopher rolls just, a six, it just kills whatever is attacking it. Yeah. And and that's and that's on how many attacks? Like how many dice do you roll? You probably four. I think five? it was like four attacks. And you get to re-roll them. So it's. Four attacks with a re-roll, yeah, so and if you, you roll, see, let's if you say, roll let's one say, six, they're dead. Let's say you hit on threes. So you hit on threes, so maybe three hits. So you got three dice. It's it's more. It's I think it's more. It was. It's a lethal strike as you know it now. So it also yeah. Ignored fortitude saves, ignores, but it, saves. it did. You know, you just it was. It was like killing big models. Special rule kind of thing. One six kills a fucking monster. Yeah. Yeah. Any any time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you. It's Yeah, yeah, but still, I mean... Well, now they have something similar, so we'll get there. <laughs> I mean, you... Yeah. Henry, you go on and on about the fucking portent of doom and how cool a fucking weapon that is. I mean, yeah, you get a lot of fucking wounds, but no, you don't, no, 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 you don't no, no, just, no. like, inch-to-fucking-erase... 
You, you don't just get to erase units when you roll sixes. But Al, 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 this was an 8th edition. This was GW times. This, okay. is, this is the uh, old old Warhammer stuff. But anyway, that okay. was an anecdote from a, from a, a past age. Yeah. So the way yeah, that so we're going to... That's, that's 10 years. 10 years. 10 years you've been playing Kiwi or Equitane or yeah. Bretonia. So yeah. the way that we're going to structure this review is not going to be going through every model in the, in the book. We're going to pick our... Favorite three and our least favorite three items, and we're going to discuss them. Um, but actually, I think what we should start with is let's start on a negative one because then we're going to finish on a positive one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, positive for you, negative for me, right? Let's go. All right. So, uh, Christopher, what's your first negative in the army, Kiwi book? Okay, so um, I I have to disclaim in the before that is that I'm a huge fan of the book. Um, so, so I don't really have a lot of negatives. I actually find it and, quite hard uh, to find negatives. Yeah, yeah, I, I do too. Um, because I'm not really talking about balance here, because you know everything can be adjusted in terms of balance with points. So, but it's so we're more talking about what does this unit do for the army kind of thing, right? Yeah. So I've chosen. I can. I would say the hooded man unit entry is something that I don't really see the point of. Um, because if you really want to, they have this special rule. You can upgrade them to have a special rule where they're unbreakable and stable, but then they kind of make sure that a piece of terrain that they're touching isn't really dangerous to your knights anymore. But it's it's situational, it's expensive, it's not for me, but it could just be personal preference. Yeah, so these these guys, hooded men, are like your, brig, your old brigands from the previous uh, Slim book. Um, they have a, a pretty good shooting attack. Um, they're skirmisher, scouts, hard target. Um, I think what's interesting about them is the hooded men, like the base version, is unstable and fearless. So that means that they're unbreakable in combat and they lose models when they lose combat. And I think this is to represent in the background that they're like a bit similar to like the penitent guys that they're trying to redeem themselves even though they're like outlaws so they're trying to redeem themselves they're not going to run away but maybe they were just like um instead of running away they were just like desert if that makes sense so that's where like the unstable rule comes from so the reason you lose lose the models is like because they're sort of deserters yeah exactly Okay, so that's that's like the idea behind the unstable rule, and then yeah, you can up, as the Christopher says, you can upgrade them to enlisted outlaws, so they lose the unstable and the fearless, so they kind of become a bit more like normal guys, and then they get this, they get the to remove the dangerous terrain for your knights, which I think is a really useful ability. Of as as Christopher says, it's situational, but I think for the price, it's pretty pretty good, and they also do other stuff as well. So what what don't you like about these, Christopher? So so for me personally, if if it's a unit of eight, so they come in units of eight to fifteen, right, and they start off at one hundred and sixty points. Mind you, uh, something like a Dreadoth Bullthrower is one hundred and ninety points. So the shooting output you get is eight shots with longbows at three plus with quick to fire. So it's basically uh, Elven Archer, which can move and shoot without penalty, and it's also a skirmisher, but it does have an egg is safe. The fact that they're fearless is, to me, a huge minus. I would never take a unit like this that couldn't flee. You wouldn't, because why it's basically wouldn't, just then you can just upgrade it to the outlaws? So you can upgrade it to the outlaws, but then you're already looking at 185 points. 
Now, if I have a unit of, um, or if I have a unit of knights, which is one of the more expensive ones, particularly, I will prioritize taking a a Strider standard on it, which is not called a Strider standard, or is it? I can't remember. Called a Stalker standard, so drink. Stalker standard. I uh, got it. Yeah. One moment. <laughs> and. Uh, uh, the glass of wine takes a little bit longer so, to get and in it's also it also it also removes the dangerous terrain for your opponent um, and it has to be when you uh, deploy the unit so for me it's it's uh, 185 points for something that I so I will subtract 35 for the um, stalker standard so that leaves it at 150 points for 8 models that can be a redirector with eight shots on longbows, and for me, that's that's. I don't see the point of having that in my army. Fair um, enough. It just doesn't. Uh, it doesn't do it. Um, so, so they, they for me at least, maybe there's some hidden trick that I can't see, but for me at least, they don't make any sense, and I, I wouldn't use them. So, how would you change this unit to um, make it worthwhile? Yeah, I would say if if you would change this unit, I would say that they need to be actually able to do range damage. So they need something to boost their ranged output in order for them to be viable. Such as? Either an extra shot or a special target that they kind of like, similar to, let's say, if they have this kind of brigands rule that they get you know, a lethal strike against characters or something. I don't, I don't actually know what it is, what it should be, but... Um, it, it should definitely be, or maybe they have higher armor-piercing missiles, or they have longer-range missiles. But I, even that isn't enough. So, so they need to do something with range damage. Okay, so you, me, you would like to see the, them buff a bit with the ranged. Yeah. Okay. Um, either that, or something like a trapper effect, like you have with uh, the scraplings from Ogre Khans or similar units. Yeah, Which I mean, can, you know, I, I would like to see the the dangerous terrain thing kind of you'd be able to go go walk into another piece of dangerous terrain and do the same. And, and I don't know, I don't really know why it works for both friend and foe. I uh, think I think that was a discussion that we had in the design, but it it stuck for friend and foe, which I think is a bit strange. But that's just how it is. I have a question. Yes, I mean thematically, these so these guys are like goons. Right or like or like criminals or whatever. Yeah, right? there's there's kind of two two aspects, right? You have the outlaws, which have been like okay, there's like an outlaws in the area. Let's like enlist them to the army, and then they can help us like get through the forest or get through the ruins or whatever. Or you have like the hooded men who are like, um, the outlaws, but they're they're either followers of the the Quinn, which is like the kingdom of Equitarian trickster god. And they're like penitent because they they want to kind of they join the army because they they want to be reintroduced to society in some way. Oh, I have a I have a suggestion. You can make them really. There's two ways of fixing them if you don't want to change them. But uh, one option is of course just to make them dirt cheap. That will make them viable. And the other option is uh, like um, a champion wizard conclave option on on some. Uh, Witchcraft wouldn't be a miss either. Do you, do you not think there's enough uh, like magic options in the book already? I mean, it, yes, there are, but this would <laughs> this, this wouldn't hurt. I was it's just, just a way of making them a more interesting unit. I was just going to say that maybe they uh, they could 
they could get boosted a little bit more with melee. I mean, they have AP1 and you can get paired weapons, so they're not that bad. They're definitely not a hundred. Well, it, let's, a lot of things can be fixed by purchase points. Yeah, I so, think, I but think I'm generally not a fan. That's probably the realistic way of doing it, right? But I'm just generally not a fan of units that cost around 100 points and doesn't do anything other than just being a redirector. So uh, generally I think a unit should cost around 200 points. But that's just my philosophy, that a unit should cost around 200 points and then actually do something. Fair enough. So what's your first positive in the book? Okay, so uh, I, I know because I want to say everything else <laughs> almost. Um but uh, a generally positive thing is the rethinking of uh, the the way the blessings work and their interaction with the auras and tokens. Okay. So the way that the special saves work, so, basically. So explain to Sassial, who's never played against KOE, never played with KOE, like how the blessing works and how the tokens yeah. work. So it used to work like um, it was it's, uh, for knights and only knights had a 6 plus Aegis save which could then be improved to a 5 plus Aegis save against attacks with strength 5. And it led to some really skewed situations where your knights would be hit by something spe specifically, for example, uh, the Vermin Swarm Plague catapults, which would basically just nuke the knights uh, because it was uh, toxic attacks, so strength 3 with no, no saves, no armor saves. So you just have your 6 of Aegis saves and in other situations where you were fighting like strength 5, then they would basically be unkillable. So it was, and it was already very much a casino army because few models, a couple of unlucky dice rolls and you things starts going south really fast. So now the way it works is you get every single model in the army, unless I'm missing something, has a 6 plus Aegis save. Everything gets a 6 Every, Everything has a 6 of Aegis, yeah. No matter what, you just get yeah. a reroll no matter yeah. what. Or better. Not a reroll. A lot of the phase, there's yeah, it's the, 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 I mean, you know I mean? the the phase is a so they have five up Aegis saves. But yeah, the the, the general this gist of the army is that it has a five, the six sorry, a six up uh, Aegis save, and then depending on what kind of blessing you have, the personal protection is that can be improved to a five up, and then you can stack the auras and tokens on that to bring uh, units to four up. But it's again, it's more often going to be a five up than a four up, I think generally speaking. Yeah, because the 5 so, is conditional, and then the plus 1 is uh, something that you enact. So maybe you want to actually, while we're talking about this, perhaps you want to talk about the different tenants. So, so just to give some background to this, there's three different tenants. Um, you have courage, yep. honesty, and ordeal. And these basically are dependent on where in society the person comes from. So generally, the knights uh, have courage, um, the churchmen or like the priests have honesty and the peasants have ordeal. So it's like the three tenets yeah. of society, the same as you see in like Middle Ages culture. Like it's that's kind of the thinking behind it, at least from a background perspective. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not, I haven't read a lot of the background just yet. I've, I've read what's been dropped in pieces on the forums. Um, have you read the, so I'm, I'm, what, sorry? the KOE supplement, background supplement? Yeah. I actually haven't seen that was one. We well, did a, we did a podcast review of it, Casimir and I. Okay. In any case, um, so it's basically the cur the for the knights. It means that if they are hit by an attack that ignores their armor save, they get the plus one Aegis. So against something like toxic attacks, they start up with a five up Aegis, but then again, no armor save in that case. Yeah. For the Dutchman, it's uh, an extra Aegis save, an extra 
bonus to Aegis save against magical attacks. And for the peasants, it's more Aegis if they get if they're in the same combat as a unit with one of the either the honesty or the courage, so either the knight or the churchman. Uh, well, oh, okay. Why are these Why are these good? Why is it is in, Why is it sort of interesting for the army? So first of all, it it deals. It's much easier to kind of balance, and it gives also a little bit less. Um, I would say it gets less stagnant because you can you can kind of prioritize different types of of uh tenants in your army so let's say you want to do a very you know church heavy army because you feel like you're always facing magical attacks anyway then you can try to go down that direction or if you feel like well i'm 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 a metal baller here i'm just going to go with all my knights and but i don't want to get you know shot off the board by both rows and cannons all the time so i'm i'm going to try to skewer my army towards that and then the ordeal part for the peasants means that the peasants work really well as support pieces because they want to engage together with the knights so so the whole thing really ties everything together for me at least designing it we we were like struggling a little bit to find something for the peasants that actually worked and and obviously before the the peasants actually didn't get an age of save in the old koe because it was kind of like the legacy was that the peasants were not like holier uh, than than the knights so they didn't get the ages save but in in the ninth age it's a little bit different like the way that the the background is for the koe is that the the land of equitain is like very saturated in magic and so like the ages save actually reflects that the like the magic is like inherently in the in like the the blood and the peep and the land and everything so it's in the water we all know it's in the water exactly so the, and the they water. all drink the water so they all get magic yeah yeah it's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like the, yeah it's something in the water okay fine uh you know just because i'm assassin i'm an assassin i i have to come out here and just say that's great and all but what about the fucking what about the fucking wood elves, right? What about like what about the elves? Do are, are they not fucking surrounded with magic and fucking mystery? Why don't they well, get a fucking ages? That's, that's a little bit different, right? Because it's it's actually the magic's in the land. It's this land of like fairy tales and land of like fae and all these like magical creatures. It's just like how the their like god is they're praying to the god and their god is like imbuing their land with magic. Whereas the elves are inherently magical creatures, but they're not they're not like imbued with magic in the same way as like the equitains are. Uh-huh. Besides so, the so tree hugging elves, they're so more like, you know, sitting in a sitting in a meadow and meditating and hugging trees and, you know, so being all, naked all and shit. So all kingdom of equitain battles happen in the kingdom of equitain. Well, no, because like if you, no, you have it in your body. It's right? in the water. It's we the already water. discussed this. <laughs> And it's like the Vikings, like it's not like the the water in England is different is the same as the water in Denmark. So the Danes come to England looking good, looking sexy. It's like the same with the KOE. Like they go off somewhere else and they're all they like come, magical they, and shit. And then they come back and then it's that's just how it is. Just magical enough to go on a, to go on a fucking war tour, but then they gotta get back home and drink some more of that. Yeah, exactly. Drink some more of that yeah, it makes perfect sense to think right. about it. Think All about right, okay. it. If you, 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 you sold me on it. You guys sold me on it. You sold me on it. You don't have to... Okay. I'll let, I'll let you this one You should give an example against you, though. No, no. I like it. Yeah. I'm happy that, I'm happy yeah. that you did. So, so, 
And if you think about it, Al, it makes perfect sense with the with the UK example, right? Because you take a good-looking fellow and then you send him over to England, and after two generations, all his kids looks like shit anyway, right? Because you know, <laughs> there's just not enough of that Viking blood to go around. That's the fucking problem. Not enough of that magical water or whatever yeah. it is, <laughs> right? So, so yeah, that's I think I think the personal protections, like the, you really nailed the idea of special saves without making it like a stupid demon blanket five plus agus army wide fuck you right like the, you have to actually do something for it there has to be a certain situation and you can kind of amplify it with the orison tokens yeah so the orison tokens have three different distinct effects and use and, and i know a lot of people have been you know crying a lot about these but first of all you can't really get a lot of them unless you like really lean into it so how does it work so most games you're going to start out most games, I think you're going to start out with between three and four. And these are one use, and they, they're they kind of difficult to use. I actually think they're a little bit too difficult to use so outside of combat. Just to interrupt you, they're like tied to the characters and units, right? Yeah, so you can you can get Orisons mostly from characters. And Damsels give you an Orison counter. So it's, it's basically a resource that you get. You have some from the beginning of the game, and you can create more by casting the hereditary spell yeah so certain characters, and then there certain are characters also. kind of give you horizon tokens to your pool so if you have a damsel i think if you have a sainted if you have mm-hmm. like a unit of like priests so you so you get like no, they, they, they they don't give it so that so it's actually that's the thing about them is they're actually pretty hard to 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 stack in the beginning of the game unless you're kind of doing something weird Multiple units can cast the Orison tokens. It's basically a pseudo. It's not a spell at all, but it's it's. You have to think about. A, it's an innate ability that only certain units have uh, ranged to use on other units. Yeah, so and you, it can't target the magical units. So you have a certain amount when you kind of build your list, and mm-hmm. then you can and you get, can get more from abilities and spells, yeah. basically. Exactly, like the hereditary spell for the KOE is that you get two Ryzen tokens, and then yep. um, and then during the game at the start of a phase, you can you can enact use one of your Ryzen tokens to gain a benefit. Yeah, or in any round of combat. So that's what I'm saying is that if you want to use, let's and so the effects are you either get uh, models without harness get plus one to hit with close combat attacks, it gains or it gains. Aegis plus one, max four plus, or it gains fear, and if it already had fear, it gains terror instead. And choose one of those effects okay, and to use with the Orison token. And these tokens are they um, are they like grounded to the character, or are they are they faction wide, like like army wide? So so you have a pool so of they're army wide, and yeah. you can you can throw them out at any unit yeah. on the field. Yeah, so it's they don't within, have to be within yeah. range. Yeah, yeah they have to be within eight inches of a model with Orison. So, like, as I said, you have, like, units of priests, you have characters with Orison, like, the holy characters, and they can give them out within eight inches, and you only have a limited amount of these tokens. Right, so this, or let's say that this Orison character has a token, spends it. Um, in the next round, in the magic phase, their damsel gets a new token, well, you, you you can only get it if you cast a spell to get. More yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. But she, but in the next in the next round, yeah. or in the next phase, right? She as a she casts a spell, gets a token, and then that character over there can use the token she's gained. 
Yeah, yeah. Think of it like Veil tokens. Works the same That's way. That's what I mean. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's and within eight inches of the character or the unit that can yeah, be yeah. out. But any so any of these any of the characters that have uh, that have an horizon token at the beginning of the game can keep using horizon tokens as they come up yeah. throughout the yeah, game. Yeah, if 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 they if they have the rules sometimes they have the rule but without generating a token. Yeah. So you can okay. have horizon zero, so you don't generate a token, but you can like cast you can if you get some tokens during the yeah, game, you yeah. can use it on yeah. that. Model. Yeah, so so the reason behind this from a background perspective is the Orisians are like these small prayers that the that people in the Equitane army know. And it's not it's not as like impactful as like a spell, but they have like small benefits that kind of help you in like subtle ways. So um I think Christoph, if you want to just go through them again and like explain why they're useful. Obviously the first one being an offensive so, so first off, I want to start out by saying these are much more flexible in uh, in the combat phase because it's it's at the beginning of any uh, round of combat. You could because with the other the other phases, say let's say in the beginning of your opponent's magic phase, that's when you have to decide if you want to boost the AG save on your knights, and your opponent just might not cast spells on it anyway, and yeah. so that that way, right? But in combat, you know it's going to happen, and you can choose between combats as they as they progress. So that's much more flexible. And um, the first one being plus one to hit with close combat attacks. Now this one is specifically, I'm willing to bet at least, without knowing. Uh, a remedy for the so-called rubber lance syndrome, yeah, exactly. where you have this exactly. this is big erect swing, big dick swinging uh, lance formation, fifteen knights, and they're you know thundering down a hill, and then due to their shitty weapon skills and initiative stats, uh, they after being smacked to pieces by the elves they were charging, they kind of flung all their attacks because they're only hitting on a four plus anyway. Yeah. And so then you have this massive erect brick that's impossible to kill, but basically fights like a pillowcase filled with, uh, I don't know, doves, <laughs> right? So, yeah, exactly. So, 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 so this one is specifically made to counter the syndrome and to support the design criteria of doing first turn damage. Yeah, I agree. And you can obviously, you know, you can you can say that well, it also happens to help the grindy units. It also happens to help the peasants, so it also helps units outside of the first round of combat. Um, but, however, I still think that in this, the way that the game is going right now is that if you're relying on your static roll to hit without any, you know, kind of supernatural reflexes or very high stats or something along those lines, then, you know, you're just going to get left behind because you can't keep up with the units that are in the game right now. And um, so I, I don't think it's overpowered. I think... You have to use your origin tokens wisely. As I said, most most games will begin with you having between three and four. So so it's not something you can casually throw around. You're going to have to save them until those critical combats. Yeah, I think using and, them against um, like shooting and magic is probably not the way forward. Right. I think you're probably going to save them for the You can. Combat. Yeah. KOE wants to decide games in combat anyway, so this is where you should probably be spending most of your Aegis tokens. Yeah. Um, so oh, sorry, your Orison tokens. What, so, yeah, you mentioned Aegis, so what's the next one? So that's one is, of course, the plus one to their Aegis save and uh, to a maximum of four plus. Now, this one is, is, is also very strong because, mind you, there's nothing to prevent you from spending multiple Orison tokens on the same unit in the same round of combat. You can't but it only works specifically. Why not? You can only cast one uh, per turn. Since one, when? One per character. One, per one or more Orisian tokens can be moved from the token pool. 
hang on. Additional instances Fuck of Verizon. Wait, I'm sure that you can only cast one. And a single unit can only be the target of one orison per phase unless specifically stated otherwise. Exactly, yeah. Okay. I, I guess I misread that one. I thought you could kind of stack them on top no, of no, each other. You can only you can only cast uh, one on one unit. Okay, that makes it a lot more fair because I, I th that was the one thing I thought I thought was a little bent on it was when you kind of had that you know decisive charge, then you just kind of loaded up. But you can't do that, so no point in discussing that. But I suppose <laughs> this is what you get to use on your knights after they did their damage, and now they start getting really strong at holding stuff. If, if you need that, or if you have combat characters that really need to, you know, defeat that vampire lord, then, you know, maybe that 4 of Aegis is going to be what changes it, or yeah. the 5 of Aegis for that matter. Yeah, exactly. And when everyone has a 6 at base, like adding plus 1 is quite nice to, even if the, the even if you don't get a 4 up for whatever reason, it's still quite nice to, to have that extra plus 1. Exactly. And so the last one is, is kind of something that may be a little bit... I don't see this one being used particularly often, but it's it's a utility tool. If your opponent makes a mistake, you can kind of... There's a lot of... Um, as far as I remember, at least I mean, there's some... A lot of uses for this one. I actually quite... I think this is maybe the underrated one, but it's probably the best one. It's definitely not the best one. The best one is the plus one to hit one. No question about it. But but uh, this one might be very strong in terms of making sure you don't fail your own fear tests, that you can potentially tear or bomb off low leadership units on your opponent's back line, stuff like that. Yeah, I think we're, it causes fear, and any model has fear gains terror. So if you have a unit that causes fear already, or like let's say there's a few items and things that cause make you cause fear, you can then uh -huh. make yourself cause terror. But you use that before the charge, right? Yeah, exactly. So you you you, yeah. you you start your charge phase, and you say, okay, this guy now causes terror, and you've got like a unit of chaff in front of that unit blocking it, and then you force them to take a terror test, and if they flee, then you get like a free charge and something else, which can be really useful, and it can also be useful with your big units of knights when you're charging in, and you're going to win combat, but the enemies can be steadfast, so then you call if you put fear on your unit, then they get a minus one to the discipline test. And that can be quite pivotal in breaking units sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's definitely not useless, but I think you're going to see the other two used more, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I think terror bombing is definitely a legit strat, but it it's very much depends on the opponent's army. Yeah. So overall, um, you picked Orisions and the Blessing as one of your favorite things. You want to just give us like a conclusion? Yeah, I, I think that uh, this one just ties really well together with both the legacy stuff and, and a new interpretation of what KOE is now in the Ninth Age. And I think it's it's been done in a really clever way that I think everyone finds interesting and it's, it's something that's dynamic that requires you to learn it and when to use your Orison tokens and kind of it gives you that little mini game of you know resource management in the game, which is something that really helps make the army uh, less bland than it was otherwise before. So I think this one is a really well-designed special rule or blessing or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I, I also like it as well. Um, so, so now it's over to me for my first negative point in the KOE. So my biggest dislike in the book is the Sky Heralds. So this is a new unit that got put into the army book. It's a standard cavalry on 40 by 40 base. Uh, 
you can have three to six models in the, a unit. It's basically like, it's called a heraldic steed. Um, it's like a strength for monster, like strength for horse. Strength for horse. Horse that does impact its one. And then you get like um, a peasant on top that does uh, one strength for attack. And you can have a paired weapon or a light lance. His ordeal, so he gets extra um, ages against magic, which is quite useful. He's got a free up arm. Oh, no, 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 no. No, he's, he's ordeal, so oh, he, yeah. he so gets when he joins when there's friends. Yeah, you're correct. So when he's, he's, a, pe he's a peasant, so when he's joining the combats with the knights, he's getting extra ages save. Adds to the gallantry. It's fly 10 14, which is like interesting. Light troops, skirmish, vanguard. I don't know. Like, it's more for me that more from a background perspective i don't really see these i don't really like the feel of them why is there a uh ground movement and a and a fly movement it's quite it's common it's a, it's a winged horse yeah so on the ground it's not as fast as when it flies right but like it but why would you ever pick the ground movement since the since the charge is 14 either way and then the advance is 10 for fly and ground is seven why would you ever say i'm gonna not i'm gonna forgo these three inches and the ability to pass through units? so it's it's about like dangerous terrain tests sometimes so it's also about certain certain items preventing you from using yeah, flying movement. So sometimes you can't use your fly movement for whatever reason there's like items or spells or something that you can't use okay and um, also when you're doing dangerous terrain tests, like if you fly into a forest or you fly into a ruin, you take dangerous terrain tests. But if you want to walk normally into a forest or ruin, then you then you don't take them. So you could like move. Somewhere. I don't think they take dangerous. I think skirmishers don't take dangerous terrain in ruins. Period. But uh, but oh, you're absolutely true, right true. about forest. True. Yeah. So if you're if you're flying into a forest and you take DTs, but you can move instead of moving. 10, you can move 7, for example. Okay. And if you fail charge, I think I think you're using your ground movement. That's I'm correct. actually that's unsure. Correct, but that's, the, the distance doesn't really matter. This is a few no, no, where, it ma where it matters. It's just because I have, like, for example, um, if I take the flight... Uh, oh, the dragon. That's, that's an interesting one. So, so for example... Um, the dragon is the other way around in the warrior's book. So it's slower when it's flying, but it's faster when it's moving on the ground, I think. And that's uh, that's because, okay, if you, so that's like, all right, if I chaff you, you can fly over me, but you're not as fast. So that's like the other way around. So that's like kind of like a balancing tool for that. And also like a fluff thing. If I take a, if I take a chimera and I add wings to it, yeah. it... It it basically it takes the the fly movement attributes not doesn't have does it doesn't still have ground movement yeah it does you can still oh, march twenty on the ground yeah oh okay yeah but you fly sixteen right okay because when I was when I read that uh, that new movement style I take so it as like so that's then you like add movement. like this so, so then you have two so that's actually just an extra yeah okay so I was actually under the assumption that you all if if you have fly you always fly no. Not if you don't want to. Not the case. Unless you're like bats or harpies. Well, bats and bats are like one one on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just swerving <laughs> around. <laughs> uh, 
but Henry, so I'm really surprised by this because I actually, I actually really like this unit. Like, if I had to put a, another thing on my like list, it would be this unit. Okay, because for me, I I think the unit's fine rules wise, but just from a background okay, yeah. background perspective, I just think this is like so idiotic. It's okay. Oh yeah, but it's because, but Henry, we all know that they should have been like a unit of angels or something similar to that, but that wasn't to be allowed, and so <laughs> it became this instead. Yeah. So my qualm with this is that initially <laughs> this was like Periton riders, which was like deers, so it was peasants riding deers, so. And I literally, I was like, look. Santa Claus. Yeah, I was like, guys, are you sure that you want to go through like a, a year's worth of Rudolph memes to have this unit in the book? <laughs> Absolutely not. There's absolutely no way that you want to have this in the book because it's it's peasants riding deers, flying deers. Like what, like what, like what, in what world is this like a smart decision to do in, in any way? Like, yeah, so... I think making it more like a heraldic steed was like a really good move because it, it like gives modeling opportunities. It could be anything you want, but still, but I still don't. About, we're talking about a Pegasus here, right? It could be a Pegasus. It could be a deer. It could be like a a flying jaguar panther. It could be like a rabbit with wings. It could be like a cockerel. It could be. Right. It could be like a baby dragon. Like whatever you want. Like you have like a lot of options here, right? It could be a boar with like a pig with like little flappy wings. That I would like to. I think that's that would be much more. Fun. I saw some someone on the forum doing like peasants riding broomsticks. Yeah, that's a little bit. That's not to my likes, but fuck it. You know, it's funny. A for effort. Funny enough. Yeah. So my qualm with these is that I don't get the whole like, how? Why would? It's how would? Quid, a, it's the Quidditch team. How would it? Yeah. How would a peasant like join the Quidditch team? It's like, I, 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 the way I see I no, maybe the, I'm just like a classical, so I, seeing it from a classical perspective, that the peasants... Are no, no, Henry, like, it's, it's, a very, it's a very British thing to say that there's no social mobility in social order. You know that, <laughs> but that's too British. <laughs> so yeah, it's Henry, simply because it's... The it's whole it's land a, is imbued with magic, Henry. You know, it's imbued with magic. The whole, the whole land is. So, you know, obviously these peasants also have access to magical yeah. animals because the whole land don't, is imbued don't, with magic. <laughs> So don't don't mind don't mind you the the fact that these fuckers have balls of steel right they're discipline eight a Pegasus knight who's arguably you know a pretty much a baller he's also discipline eight but this this sky herald peasant guy like he doesn't give a flying fuck like this discipline eight motherfucker yeah he's as brave as an elf as I would say that's the, I would say that that would be probably the main the thing you should be most upset about is that they're peasants that basically yeah. have the des- the discipline of my exalted herald. But I like I like the idea that you know it's it's just such a rare thing that you have a brave peasant. So you know you kind of have to acknowledge it. He gets a steed. It's a bit. No, you the know, whole fucking point of can, the peasant is for them to not be brave. Like, just so, being like, just being like, oh, so that's, like, this is like a, it's so special to have a brave peasant. Yeah, they're called fucking knights. <laughs> yeah. yeah, brave peasants are called fucking are called like, are called since, the other since, part of the book. Since when like humans are just dis- suddenly discipline eight all of a sudden? Like, are elves gonna be nine now? Or, like, what's going on? I think that like uh, this is like this is like an excuse to just have more flying units. Well, well, no, it was is is a mixture right. of things. Like design point of view, like maybe Christopher, you want to elaborate on the base size? Yeah. So so obviously, forty by forty is the old Pegasus Knight base size. New Pegasus Knights are now on fifty by fifties. So I mean, 
and uh, skirmish options have gone away from the 50s by 50s so the big bros the, 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 the elder brothers have now you know they're locked into 50 by 50s no skirmish so I think it's also about availability in terms of continuation of models in a certain perspective and also because there was a playstyle called Royal Air Force where you just had a lot of Pegasus Knights which I think they wanted to keep it's a zero to ten model per army for Sky Heralds, so you can definitely use your, you know, your three units of three Sky Heralds now. So I think I think there's definitely something to be said in that regard. Yeah, you're yeah, you're right. Like the way that we this was like also a concession. Like okay, we want Pegasus Knights on fifty by fifty, so let's make this unit with forty by forty. I just don't like. The, and to be honest, I think yeah, I just don't like the idea of peasants riding like these fancy steeds. I agree. I think. It yep. could be. It you could have, be. It would be more. F- Let's fucking stick to it. <laughs> it would be more fitting, also, from because if they get discipline seven, they very quickly become useless because then they get very, very, you know, uh, susceptible to panic tests. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, or they have to be close. To obviously, going to be on the flank in yeah. general or whatever. Like this. But the the role of this unit is like obviously like a flanking unit because it's fast. It's exactly. Like, it's got vanguard, so it's very rarely going to be actually within your bubble. Great. So totally fitting for say a slightly more expensive unit like a bunch of Pegasus knights. I like I agree, not denying that. Like, look, I have, I have, okay. and, and this is why, this is why, this is my least favorite so, unit in the so, book. So in the Warriors, you've got, okay. you've got, you've got your. Fucking, Alex is getting excited. He's open his chest. Alex, fucking, Alex, Alex, Alex. No, 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 no. I'm fucking ready to see it now. I got a problem. Here we go. Look, I've got look. I've got a couple of different mounted units in the fucking Warriors Army, all right? I got some fucking knights, like right? Yeah, they're really nice and they're, they're, they're sturdy. They got a lot of armor. Then I got some mounted barbarians known as just shitheads, right? <laughs> Turd burgers. These guys have got fucking flying fucking dick holes who have a fucking... Also three-up save. Yeah, with a three-up save, discipline, gall- gallantry, whatever the fuck Ow. that means. Nothing to worry about. Vanguard... And go fuck yourself. Like, oh, what, what else? What else you want from me, man? I mean, look, Al, I, Al, I get five Al, fucking Al, douchey loser Al, barbarians. You get a bunch of flying assholes. Al, your leathermen, like your, all your leather boys, there heading off to the gay pride parade. Do you, you keep forgetting to mention that they're also core. So. <laughs> so that so kind of warrants a low power level in general. <laughs> so I can score with them. Is that what you mean? No, no, I mean like they count towards core. Right, if you use them, like, I don't think anyone takes them in special. But if you take them, you take them in core. Um, and generally speaking, core units, which I think is a shame, but generally speaking, the power level of core units doesn't really match that of special choices or similar. So you can't directly compare, you know, a core unit to a special unit. You can compare core units to core units, generally just, speaking. Okay, then let's just take fucking flares then. Yeah. But, but but I think personally, flares is a great unit. I think flares are great as well. I think flares compared to this are trash hole losers. I'd rather use flares than this. <laughs> Honestly, no. Okay, so go. Moving on to my. Can my flares have flight now? Can I just put flight on? Can I just add fucking flying? I mean, they move twenty. Don't care. <laughs> They're a need fly. So my number one. A uh, good unit in the book is the Knights Resplendent. So these guys are basically Rhymer Knights, and they get all the good stuff. 
Are these core? No. <laughs> so they're compared to your regular feudal knight, they get an extra offensive skill. They get uh, an extra agility. They get devastating charge plus one advance and plus one attack. So they're advanced nine, and they get two attacks on the charge. They come in units of six. They can have lance formation, so they use all their attacks in every rank. They have courage. They have a two-up save. They've got the six of pages. Meaning they can go like, uh, if you have six of them, you can go two wide, three deep. Three wide, two deep. Or three wide, two deep. So 12 attacks on a three wide frontage, which is like really, really good. And do all the horses get to attack here? No. Um, but I just think these units but they are, are really but they are jacked up horses like they've got that special source because they're strength four horses yeah special special like, source horses like you you, you bring this you're, horse you're, to an Olympic team to, I mean you're always going to have plus one to hit <laughs> so these are like these are like the uh, Carlsberg uh, delivery horses they're they're buff, buff no no that, that's the that's the shy horses from the penitents that's their strength five okay there you go <laughs> strength yeah. five okay, those yeah. are like the real yeah, but we'll get to those probably. So, no, we so don't. But, this, yeah, this no, I, I think, is the best, for me, the best unit in the book. It's got all the charge potential. It's, like, everything on a small frontage. You can just wipe out monsters. I think they're really, really good. Um, there's been a few people that are unsure about the name. Um, I think the name sort of fits. It's, like, these kind of, like, knights that are really good at jousting. They're, like, resplendent. They have all these, like, trappings that make them look really, like, fancy and... It's also, I think, a lot of people's Grail Knight models were a little bit more elaborate than the Realm Knights models, so it's a good replacement for them. Do you, do you have any thoughts on these, Christopher? Yeah, I think I think it's a great uh, hammer unit. Um, I'm personally, you know, I, I think I would much rather take Knights of the Quest uh, due to Resilience 4 and Defensive 5 because uh, Small Arms Fire is obviously a big issue. And um, you, you can take Knights with Lances. Like, with a 2-up save on everything? Oh, you'd be surprised. You know, resilience three means that you know a lot of missiles, basically something like crossbows, even um, means that you often takes you know disproportionate amounts. Of, you you'll be surprised at how often you just kind of get. It's in in KOE terms, it's called getting last samurai when you're moving your knights around and you're just basically getting shot to bits trying to move around the board. <laughs> Wait, so knights yeah. um, respond and have base armor two plus heavy armor plus shield. So two so. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's and that's not good enough. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it, the problem with them before, especially um, how do you get better than that? Play armor. So you you, like warriors. No, no. If you go, if you look at <laughs> knights, of the, still, if you now the different the, the difference maker is actually knights of the quest. Uh, the, sorry, the the resilience four. Yeah, that's resilience that's four. to me the biggest difference maker. And um, for me personally, it's just a personal preference thing. I also, agility four is not enough. Uh, because a lot of things will strike before you, and with uh, defensive four, you will get you really get uh, nuked. Sorry. <laughs> so, but so just the, the charge is nothing to be sniffed at. No, but it's. I mean, Especially when you charge nine inches. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm, not, I'm just saying I prefer the Knights of the Quest for twenty points more because they have, in my opinion, a, a better stat line and also better special rules, and they grind and they're fearless. Fair enough. Uh, I just really like these. I think they're really strong. Um, and also, like, background-wise, I think it's quite cool to have, like, these, like, super jousty knights. I think it's, uh, a, I think it's a good unit. 
Yeah, it's it's not it's definitely. I'm I'm not trying to say it's bad. I'm just saying that it for a lot of people, I think it will be like personal preference. Do you want to play the more safe unit, the Knights of the Quest, or do you want to try to go for more hammer, and then you have the Knights Resplendent. Having played Swiss Stride Armies for for ten years, I can tell you now that I prefer the grinding because very often you'll just fight, you'll fail your Swiss Stride charges. <laughs> okay, so uh, what's your next uh, dislike? So I put in uh, the Knights of the Court. Cool. I, f- I, f- I feel like these are basically stat-wise uh, very close to your core knights. I think they may have an extra point of agility. Yeah, they do. Correct. And then they're kind of and then they're kind of bodyguard. Well, not kind of. They are bodyguard for either sainted or general with courage. So either your general or your your zero to one per army saint. And um, I I I just don't see myself. Sp- special points on these unless i mean there is a build where you kind of take your general who's who's has a vow that enables him to strike you're kind of like a weird uh, crimson fury from vampire counts where you get to make attacks against your opponent if your Vamp- opponent vampire kills what? your buddies vampire what it's not called vampire lord it's not called vampire counts anymore Oh, sorry. Vampire Covenant. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Drink. Right. So I, so I think uh, I've already. Yeah. So I, I kind of feel like um, I don't know. Like you, you gotta have a really special plan with these. Um, yeah. So let me, let me elaborate a little bit on this from like a design perspective. So the reason that this unit was included was because uh, one piece of community feedback was that the KOE have like a very high learning curve and so what we wanted to do was actually introduce a unit that allows people who have a like a lower skill level to to play with a unit that um, is more reliable than a regular unit so this kind of allows you to put a character in there uh, either your sainted or your general and sort of run forwards, get charged, and be stubborn, and set up counter charges. So, obviously, that's, like, a quite key play with this unit. And this was, like, a consideration when we were designing the book. Okay. So, so if that's the case, I would I would still suggest um, kind of differentiating them a little bit from the core knights. I think uh, the army in general would do very nicely with if these guys just had hand weapons and shields and a stat increase and i don't know maybe an extra attack or something along those lines just to kind of set them apart a little bit yeah, to kind um, of make them i will say that this unit is going to change in the upcoming um balance patch i think you can expect yeah. it next month and uh, yeah this unit is going to change a little bit okay so we got that cool don't need to discuss that further right bodyguard <laughs> thing yeah, yeah. So, so wait and see what happens with that so but it is absolutely right that KOE has probably a, a very high learning curve because very, very small mistakes can lose you tw- games 20-0 when you're playing with knights, like yeah. human knights. Yeah. So what's your second uh, second choice for your favorite things in the book? Um, so I actually just chose characters because I think, again, f- I don't think we need to spend too much time on it, but you just have so many options. Like There's so many different things you can do between the... Equitanian Lord, the Fokir, and the Damsel, despite there only being three unit entries in the character section, yeah. you can make them. It's, I don't think there's an, uh, another book that has more variety 
in terms of character stuff you can do. Um, so I think, and with mount options, there's a bunch of different mount options. All of them are interesting. Do you have a, of a course favorite it's, build or a favorite combination? Yeah, so I'm obviously I'm 100% sure that they're going to remove the ability for the Castellan folk hero to have honor because if you put if you put a Castellan folk hero saint on a with honor on a on a heraldic steed then he's he's advance um, he's advanced 12 when you're charging things in the front arc with Vanguard <laughs> and I, I I think that's just a little too fast uh, if you ask me well, let's, I think, so, I think um, that's, that's something that's intended. Let's see if it gets played. Well, it's, ex it's relatively expensive. Um, I think for me, the, the folk hero is the folk hero with, um, you can, you can make some, I've, I've only played against KOE once and I've, I haven't played them yet myself, but I think, you know, the folk hero, um, with, with sainted, uh, is, is definitely, uh, is definitely a force to be reckoned with. Um, you should not underestimate him. Uh, in my current build, he is... Uh, if my app wants to work, which it does not. Um, he's currently 480 points. And he, um, he's he got... Uh, obviously, he's on a heraldic steed, so he's he's got Vanguard and Advance 10. He, he's got the one, the vow where you can't refuse challenges and you get extra AP, two extra AP in challenges, and then he's got Tristan's Resolve on a Bastard Sword, because he's also a Castellan. So he's got something like um, four attacks, strength five with AP... Uh, oh, let me think. Four or five, if he charges or not, and then, you know, plus one to hit, because he's a Saint. He's got uh, five up Aegis, He's also an auto minister, so he heals himself and his unit. And then he's got the Black Knight's Tablet, so the first time he dies, he kind of gets back up, and then he starts healing himself to full again. So yeah, and he <laughs> Alex can... is giving me a look like what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's absolutely bent. I'm pretty sure that's also going to get nerfed in some regards because it's only 480 points, and you kind of get cheap leadership nine general. Tis only who's... a scratch. And he's get fucked. Sorry, I said tis only a scratch. <laughs> so this guy gets his fucking, yeah, yeah, exactly. his arms and legs cut off, and he's like, "I'm all right." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And he's so he's also and don't forget he's also when he's attacking you, he removes one of his hits, and then he destroys your magic weapon. So you can't kill him so by definition important. in one round of combat. So he just goes in, and then you know if if you kill him before you strike, then you kill him. He gets back up. He destroys your magic weapon, and then you know he starts healing back to full because he's a cleric. <laughs> and if you've got magical attacks, then then he's also got a four of Aegis, and so he's also a, got a two so of armor save. I need to get that that fucking chosen lord that uh, takes away all magic. Yeah. Oh okay. yeah, yeah. That that can't that can't Big time. Will, uh, yeah. Honestly, I think that's the also best. The, that's the best thing in in the game. In Tropicora is so it's good. Great weapon in Tropicora. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Let's 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 have a fucking let's dance. <laughs> let's have a fuck battle. Yeah. Like, <laughs> 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 yeah, so I think I think that's that's just you know that's just an insane build for 480 points. You know that amount of speed, that bonus to leadership, plus one to hit, all of the attacks. You know specifically tailored to kill characters. Yeah, sounds uh, that, that seems pretty strong to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 480 points is pretty. Then good. obviously, 
like I just discovered today, if you take three Equitanian Lords on Pegasus Chargers, the unit has uh, hard target three, which I'm pretty sure is not intended. So you can't basi you basically can't shoot them. And they'll have magic resistance four, so you can't magic them either. And they're flying, so you can't redirect them. So, yeah, it's also pretty busted. <laughs> so I think they need to remove hard target from Pegasus Chargers. There's no need for it to be there. It's just it's not good for the game to have flying cowboys that are hard to shoot. Just... Doesn't make sense to me. It, I mean, but yeah, another sense from background perspective, like, have you tried like shooting like a flying Pegasus or like a like a bird in the air? Yeah, but I mean, all I'm saying to you is that there's a bunch of flying things in the game. None of them had a hard target, and you know, this like Equitanian characters are probably some of the tankiest in the game, point for point at least. So what makes them so fucking agile? Building Pegasus. <laughs> you got it's got like a 300 mix. kilograms also hard target. dude on the top one. Still terrible. <laughs> Welcome back to Amazon Podcast, episode 70. We are talking about the KOE. And now it's my turn to get into something that I don't like and something that I do like. So the, the second thing that I don't like in the KOE book is the differentiation of night units. Like there's fucking loads of night units. They've all got lances or they've got great weapons. And it's really difficult to tell them apart on the table. I really wish that we'd been able to differentiate them, like modeling-wise, a bit better than we have done. What do you think, Christopher? So I'm gonna just go straight out and say that I don't agree with that. There's lances on the core knights, and there are light lances on the order sergeants. Yeah. Uh, granted, the order sergeants also have great weapons, whereas the you know the knights of the quest have bastard swords. But bastard swords can be many things. In my I know. I'm not going to lie, I know there's like a huge chorus who keeps having Agincourt discussions in the no, KOE forums. I don't want to have any Agincourt discussions on this podcast. No, so so, so uh, if we can just go ahead and say, fuck your historical arguments when fighting a dragon. Um, uh, fuck so, your historical so, arguments in a tabletop fucking battle game yeah, yeah. for super God. nerds. Like, God no, damn no, it. No, I mean, no we're, a bunch of, shit. we're a bunch of fantasy nerds. Like, if you, you want to talk about the Battle of Agincourt... How do the Ogrecons firing cannons off their hips yeah. deal in the Battle of Agincourt? Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so annoying. I'm telling you, dude, like 20 pages of discussion on the armor piercing values of projectiles at Agincourt. I mean, it's unbelievable. These history nerds, I love you guys, but take it somewhere else. Yeah. Well, go play, um, go play historical battle games. So, yeah. There's a whole other fucking bunch of games built for if you want to, if you want to dork out on that but if you want to play with in a game fantasy battles and dragons and unicorns and shit <laughs> shut the fuck up like seriously like it's fucking it's it's all made up all of this is make-believe right <laughs> it's all made up 
Just because you can't you pick, tell them that, Al. You can't just tell them you that, Al. The they don't, of they're not ready to hear it. Just because you they're pick, not ready pick the to kingdom hear of Aquitaine doesn't mean that you're like suddenly playing a historical game because there's fucking knights. Okay? Like, you're still going to play against an army of rat men, you fucking dumb shits. Like, calm the <laughs> yeah, fuck but, down. But. What the fuck? <laughs> just fucking kill me. Oh my god. Okay, so. so so that was an eloquent way of of, of of venting the frustration that I've that has basically chased me out, out of the KOE forum for good. I mean, <laughs> I, I, yeah, no, I don't think unit differentiation is going to be a big problem this time around. It definitely was before, but this time around, I, I feel if you change the knights of the court to have a different weapon option, I think you're solid. I don't think there's any problems. Okay, well, let, let's just let's hypothetically say knights of the court keep the lances because. Mm-hmm. Hypothetically, they will. Um, you've got knights of the court with lances. You've got feudal knights with lances. You've got knights resplendent with lances. Um, there's lots. There's three units that are on twenty-five by fifty bases with lances, and oh yeah, and with the because ninth age is quite model agnostic, it's going to be very easy for me to rock up to play against you, and you're going to be like, okay, these guys, they're feudal knights. These guys, they're resplendent knights, and they're going to be the same models. So, so I'm going to go ahead and say um, demon legions. Yeah, I mean these are my these are my four units of myrmidons, and they all have different upgrades. Get used to it, motherfucker. Yeah, but uh, that, that's, I mean that's just my that's just the qualm that I have with the book. Like, I think we could have done better, as you say, like giving knights of the court like a different weapon option. Like I really wanted the penitent knights to be on larger bases because they're on big horses. I also have two mm-hmm. hit points. I I was on the on the side of saying like let's put them on forty by sixties. I think that would have been like a nice differentiation yeah. with them because I mean yeah absolutely also, also yeah. with the great weapon knights you've got three units which have two handed swords. You have questing knights, you have penitent knights, and you have the auto sergeants for great weapons. That's three units. Where realistically, mm-hmm. if you're using Games Workshop models, you have questing knight models, and that's it. And so there's going to be one unit of questing knights, and you'd be like, okay, are they questing knights, are they penance knights, or are they auto sergeants with great weapons? Like, you don't know. And, and I think that's quite important when you're playing. Isn't Obviously, it the job of the, 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 the army owner to paint units that are different, different? 100%. Yeah. Like, I've got, in my, it, so I've got, like, 40 warriors that are all painted the same. Yeah. Like warriors with shields. But yeah. then I've got another like 30 warriors that I use both as warriors and as chosen that have like halberd slash great weapons that are painted different than those guys. Yeah. Right? And it's like, so they can be warriors with halberds or they can be chosen or whatever. Right? And Alex, this is perfect example of how you should do it. But I know for a fact... I got sent. I got sent a picture two weekends ago at UK Masters at the Open, where one of my friends had sent me a picture of someone using a ghost army with KOE. Oh God, fuck! And, and it was me. like, yeah, oh okay. yeah, apparently these are these are questing knights and these are realm knights and these are. So then here's else. another suggestion: and a, a cheap. Okay, so a cheap solution for somebody who's already gone and painted like three hundred fucking units. Okay, like because I because I got I can respect that. You bought a whole bunch of fucking minis. You painted a shitload of them. You know, you spent fucking like six weeks just like bombing through fucking 90 fucking horse, horse-backed fucking knights. And you didn't know what they were and you didn't know how many were going to go where and blah, 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 blah. At the very least, then 
take some fucking movement trays and have different colored fucking rims on the movement trays and say the ones in the red one are questing nights and the ones in the blue one are fucking these nights. Like, it's super easy. Like, just buy a fucking tray and paint the rim different color and then, like, you're not an asshole. Yeah, so, well, I, th- I think I think you're right to an extent. Like, I think you can put in a bit of effort to differentiate your units. But, but if you haven't, you can put you can you can put a bit of effort into painting a fucking tray. Yeah, no, like, yeah, of course. But I think even that is like not necessarily enough to actually differentiate the units. Like when if you're playing on a the table, then it's quite easy to forget. Okay, the blue ones are one type, and the red ones are another. Like I, I think that's. I think that's quite actually not the best way, not the best solution, because when you're looking oh, at yeah, the models, I'm, not, I'm not saying best solution. I'm just saying a solution for yeah. for the idiots who have already painted like sixty nights identically, and they're using twenty for this and twenty for this and twenty for this or whatever it is the the different ten ten and ten fifteen fifteen, yeah. 15 right, and they all look the same. It's like well, okay, do something right, like have a unit filler that's like in that group that is. So, so generally, generally speaking, ghost armies is also just like a horrible example, right? Because that's that's when it just you know, oh my god, it's so difficult. Um, but but I but think even there, like your ghosts can be can have, can a, have great a, weapons, kind of lances. Yeah, but also they can be like a bit yellow, this group of them, a bit blue, this group of them, a bit fucking green, this group of them, like. Or yeah, but, but but we're more talking. But more it's talking more like I think options. I think. It okay. it kind of it kind of works with demons, right? It kind of works with demons, which is completely model agnostic. And and uh, I mean, when you're playing against demons, I, I haven't played against demons in a long time. Uh, I play them often myself these days because it's my main army now. Fuck KOE. I mean, I've heard demons um, are whack because each unit can have a special fucking rule. Associated yeah, yeah. With that's it. what we're discussing, right? Because yeah, and that yeah, that, so you that's, that's you can't really you model choose on the that unit. dynamically. <laughs> And that's and that's. Very but the difficult. good thing, the the good thing about the demon, the way they structured the demon book is, and I've said that on the podcast podcast before, is that it doesn't change what the unit does, right? So so a hammer unit is still a hammer, and if you upgrade it more, it becomes a better hammer, right? And a tank is still a tank, and, and so there's nothing to kind of change the way the unit works. Very subtly, maybe maybe you can give a unit a scout in your deployment zone or something along those lines, but it's not it's not gonna make yeah it's not gonna ch- it's not there are no side grades and there are no kind of no kind of ways to mitigate weaknesses with upgrades. But yeah. like throw a like like what I'm saying is yeah okay if you can't do like you can easily do movement trays, but if because that to me is the easiest that's the quickest and easiest because it's a flat fucking thing and you can paint the fucking rim a different color, or you can get. Uh, a unit filler that is the size of one unit so that even when there's only two like two minis left on the fucking on the in the unit one of them can be this filler that designates like the different thing right so like let's say you've got five different demon units that basically are based off the same models and you ended up painting them all the same paint scheme but you have decided that you're going to use different fucking specs for each of them you have five different fillers that are all unique looking that at least differentiated yeah. in some fucking way, not just for your opponent, but for you too. So you're not a fucking, so you don't suddenly halfway through the game go like, which one was that one? Oh fuck. You know, yeah, like, yeah. But it's yeah. like, it's like how to not be a fucking asshole. Like, yeah. look. But, I, but I think, I think what was, what I'm saying is that, yeah, I agree. With, there's ways around it, but I think what the, what with the team, what we could have done better is actually find ways of differentiating the knights in a better way. 
like so at the end of the day there's, there's only like, one real like check word wise so, like so maybe you can base size or weapon options things like that I mean, uh, how many base uh, sizes? I like, think dudes on horses. Like, how many base sizes are you gonna fucking come up with? Well, like, like I said, I like think the Pennington I, knights are, are on large horses. They have two hit points each, so they could have been like forty yeah. by sixties, for example. And they should have been. They one hundred percent should have been. And knight. Okay. Uh, I mean, I agree with knight. Knight Pennington's it's a base fix, and for one of the other knight units, it's a weapon choice change, and for auto sergeants, it's halberds instead of great weapons. I mean, in my opinion, yeah. any time that you're taking uh, dork-sized bases, which is like 20s, <laughs> and making them bigger, I think that that's a great thing. Because, you know, I have this huge complaint about the fact that the Warriors are 25s, right? And, <laughs> and the Elves are only 20s. And the Elves are only 20, and you get fucking 32 hits on me, and I get like eight hits back or whatever. Like, it's like, get fucked, you jerk, you jerk face. <laughs> like, it's a bit of horse shit there. Right, and you've heard me complain about it enough times. Like you know how pissed I am about it, but it's like, and you go like, "Well, they've got more armor," and I'm like, "Yeah," and for some reason, you still seem to fucking blast through them with your shittiest poor units. Like you gotta, you gotta stop the spells, dude. You gotta stop your fucking mom from fucking giving birth <laughs> to such an asshole. Uh, like, all right, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. So I'm making it personal now. So my choice of like a a good. A good unit, one of the things I think is really good in the book is the Folk Hero. And Christopher like kind of briefly covered it, but I just want to elaborate a bit more. I think this this character option is like really interesting. There's loads of different stuff that you can do uh, in a game perspective because you have um, lots of different options. And I also think from like a background perspective, it's also really interesting because um, you can kind of like build your own D and D character. You can have like a cleric. You can have um, like a paladin. You can have like a banner bearer. You can have a like a troubadour. You can have like a Robin Hood type character. You can have a wizard. There's loads of different options that you have, and I I really like it. I think it's um, I think it's just really interesting. Um, to yeah, there there are, there are five heroic traits that he can choose between. And one of them gives him access to one of the seven knightly principles beyond another effect. So, and you can also make him a saint. So, all in all, you have, let me quickly just like, there's 13 different rules, upgrades that you you can choose from. So, so 70 point base cost, but how how much do you end up spending? Yeah, so you can Yeah, yeah, so that's the thing. When you actually get to it, right? Like... Yeah, if you if you kind of if let's say you want to make the cleric, the cler the cleric guy who's maybe he's also a banner bearer or so something, it's you are easily, yeah, yeah, but you're easily running, especially when he goes on a horse. He's around three hundred fifty points when he's tooled up, and around two hundred and fifty when he's not. Okay, so, so he's very expensive. So I appreciate I appreciate that um, that the point accumulation like gets to a, a level where it's not as fucking freaky is when you see folk hero and it's cost 70 i'm like yeah when i first looked at that i'm like it's but it's 70 base like fuck you guys again like but now when i'm looking at okay he's got one attack yeah um so i look at it and i go okay now this is like a little bit more appropriate but the thing that i think is a bit sketchy is there are already a bunch of characters in this army two yeah this is the third one i mean you've got the equitain lord and the damsel 
And then you've got folk hero. folk hero. Those are the only three. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I guess I don't feel as bad then. <laughs> no, but, but you're, but you're kind of right, Al, because there's also a bunch of single models in the fake category. So, so you're not yeah. entirely wrong. And they're pseudo characters. But, there, but the, the thing that I think is a bit wild about this is that it is so flexible. Yeah, but I think that's yeah. that's that's kind of the quirk of it. I think as a as a design, we really wanted to give KOE players the option to like build your own hero in some ways, yeah. like both from like yeah. a narrative perspective and also from a gaming perspective. And I think these options, uh, there's the, there was more options, and there's been less options, and we've been moving them around and tweaking them. And I think what we've come up with in the end is actually like a really good, nicely balanced set of so what, characters that you can choose from and you can build yourself. So what I love about this is you can go on like a website like Hero Forge, right? And you can actually like, if you build a character that you really like, that you're really attached to, you can like make a custom. 3D model STL on Hero Forge. You can pay for it to be printed and sent to you, or not. There, I know they're not sponsoring us, but uh, or you can like get, get as a somebody. <laughs> you could also go on Weird Farm Miniatures and look at their D and D section. And, yeah, or you yeah. can like buy <laughs> the SDL. A million you, miniatures. You can buy the SDL and pay Weird Farm Miniatures to print it for you because he's going to make a really nice, high quality print. But it's like the thing that's cool about uh, Hero Forge is like you can put them on a mount. You can like dress them up. You can put different equipment on them. You can put different items, armor, weapons. You know all that kind of gear. You can gear them up like two. So if the whole idea is like you're basically being able to make us like a custom character for yourself, not only can you do that, but you can actually with the technology now today, you can actually go and make exactly the character you want to make. Exactly the character you're making here. You can make them like. You can literally have them made, so you don't have to go and find a random proxy model. You can actually make a model custom to what you want. Yeah. Which is pretty. Cool. That's pretty sick, actually. Which That's actually super sick. Yeah, I like that. I a love lot, it, actually. Because I'm I'm a big fan of like, like, t just because I feel like this is a counter this is a counterbalance in the conversation we had about um, dealing with people who have a whole bunch of knights that look exactly the same. Like the oh, yeah. the opportunity now with technology is there for you to actually like make some really unique things for yourself and come up with like unique and interesting builds. And that's one of the things that I actually really love about Ninth Age is that the whole system is a proxy-based system, right? You like, you find models that, that, you like. that, that you like that fit, yeah. that somewhat fit into the genre that you're, that you're filling out for your army, for the army you're making. And then you, and then you've got some really cool ass shit. Whereas like, if you're playing in Games Workshop, you know, the new Games work, the new Games Workshop or the general Games Workshop rules are, if it's not an official Games Workshop, model or it's not using official games workshop mod items then you can't bring it to a tournament or whatever and, yeah and go fuck yourself and i and, and i really like that the open sourcedness of the ninth age in that sense like i had this huge argument with a friend of mine <laughs> uh a few months ago because he's just he's just gotten into 40k like six months ago and then he was like if you bring, if you, if you print your own shit or you bring a proxy model or like whatever, then, then you might as well not be fucking friends with me or whatever. And I was like, wow, okay. That's like, pretty, I was that's like, pretty I was like, bro, I've known you for like 12 years and you just got into this six months ago. Like, I think you need to check yourself a little bit. <laughs> so you need to go to China and buy some, you got a fucking, coast. you got a pretty, bad, <laughs> oh, you, got a, you got a pretty like, bad honestly, attitude. <laughs> 
You know, Did like, he really say that? You might as well not be friends yeah, with me I, if you're I mean, print I mean, I mean, to be fair, uh, him and I are both gifted at getting under each other's skin, so it was partway through the conversation. But, uh, okay. but you know what I mean? So I may have said some things, and he had said some things, and then we got to a certain point where he was just like, well, fuck, the, you know, like, these are the rules, man. You got to play by the rules. And I was like, I don't know anyone. <laughs> I don't play by the rules. I'm a, I'm a fucking rule breaker, man. I'm a crime writer. But, like, uh... <laughs> Like, I don't know, I was like, I, I just said to him straight up, I'm like, I don't know anyone who actually is in this hobby who, like, plays these games who is going to fucking send you home on a Saturday afternoon when you're hanging out because, because like, you, like, custom molded a fucking bolt gun onto this fucking character, right? Like, <laughs> like, the, like if you went, if, if you green stuffed a fucking weapon onto someone, I don't know anyone who's going to fucking send you home because it's not a games workshop think, fucking I, version of it. I, like, I, I, I think I think there are definitely merits to having you know like that shared language in in understanding in exactly what a specific given unit kind of looks like and and what it does right and say a space marine you know everybody knows what a space marine is you know kind of know what it does when you see it on the tabletop yeah and and that's very beginner friendly but if the argumentation is those are the rules man then, then it kind of I mean, just gets I mean, a little what I don't like is, frail what I don't like is like if I didn't glue a grenade on this guy's hip he doesn't have a grenade. Like well, fuck off. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, that's that that kind of that 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 rule has been there in in forty k tournament scene before, and always leads to some weird ass situations. You know, I like I'm painting fucking sixty models at a time. Like I don't know who I'm gonna put a fucking grenade on but, before but, I've but, ever but even played. You know, like fucking but, calm down. But also, Al, there's there's a big difference to forty k in that forty k very generally uses much much fewer models in games. And you will see, and I've done so myself with my 40k armies, I'm actually magnetizing, you know, arms on my dude so that I can change weapons and stuff like that. And that's actually, it's actually pretty cool that you can, you know, model your manta if he's got, if he's using an axe or, you know, sword or whatever, specific pistol or something, then you can kind of swap the weapons around. It's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. I mean, that's why but I model only those magnets, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so it's... So that, so that was a big tangent. So uh, let's, let's, oh, let's yeah. go back to the ninth age. Uh, so Christopher, what's your final dislike in the KOE book? Um, I want to. What have we been through? Do you want me to tell uh, you the lantern. Yeah. The, the lantern is what we're uh, is, is is what's being. I, and it's more the right now. It's I think it's because I just I actually don't understand what it does. <laughs> like, I'm really not sure. It's not a redirector because it has to flee. It's susceptible to being, you know, it can't march, and then you can kind of, you can kind of deploy it in water terrain. No, sorry, that's not the one. So do you, do you want me to uh, like it's got uh, scout. talk about this from a design perspective? Yeah, I mean, I can. I, I think it's like a light bulb, right, that leads people into the mist. Yeah, it's well. So the. The background of this, I think it's a bit skeptical as well, personally. Um, but the, the idea is that it's like a will-o'-the-wisp type thing that, like, with, when you have this magic-saturated land, you get these sort of, like, lanterns, like, balls of magic that sort of... It's a wisp, yeah. Yeah, like, it's, it's a wisp that kind of just hangs around and is annoying. Um, so, as you said, if it gets charges, it has to flee. Um, it always rallies, but it... it it can't it can't actually get charged unless it it can get caught so it's sort of just like a, an annoyance and obviously the the sweeping attack is really good because minus two advance minus two march minus two pursuit it can be really really useful 
especially when you're trying to set up these charges with your knights, because obviously the, the knights, some of them are quite charge dependent. Um, I think what is actually quite interesting is if you, you can charge it in on the, like, the corner of stuff, um, and like if let's say you, you charge a flank of something, and then if they want to pursue you, they don't pursue very far, it's quite cheap. There's, I think there's lots of options for this, and it's quite hard to kill. It's hard target two. And I think the sweeping attack is probably the main use for it, um, rather than being a redirector. I mean, it's not chaff, that's for sure, because it fucking runs away. Yeah. Yeah, right. But, like, e but even, if you, know, even like... if you put it in front of a unit and they charge it, if they have nothing to redirect against, then they have to pursue it, and they're probably going to catch it. So then that unit is just sat in the middle waiting to be charged. But when they catch it, then I it's mean, dead, right? Yeah, yeah, but it's 160 points, so it's not like it's just like a cheap unit. Okay. So if, if that sets up your charges, then it can be quite good. Just think about this. But I feel like... Beep-boo, beep-boo, <laughs> like these little floating fucking lights. You know, you can just basically have a... What is it? A, it's a 55-50mm base with just like one LED light sticking yeah. out the fucking top of it. <laughs> I'm just waiting for Patrick to do his like classic like... Uh, cotton wool ball. <laughs> I think you just get a ping pong ball, put an LED inside of it. Yeah. And fucking, <laughs> you're good to go. Sounds pretty cool, actually. Are you going to get any of these, Christopher? Or are you going to use for models? Ping pong I'm, ball. I'm, I'm I, not, always, I sold I, him on it. He's ready. <laughs> like, I'm not I'm not too sure. Um, I would much rather have uh, 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 Fokiro Quinn for 190 points, who's an adept on witchcraft which so i can debuff you know movement speeds and he can also be a redirector I, I feel like i also want to use the fake category specifically on you know on other stuff such as you know the the definitely not an angel entry and uh and the new green knight yeah so yeah i, I agree the, this, the was, this was the, the one that i didn't want to really appear in the book um after playtesting i think i think but I actually really like the, the the concept of of you know this 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 you know ping pong ball without a, with an LED in it. I really like the I think it's really fitting with you know with the knives and everything. But I just think it it needs a rethink. Well, if you okay, if you use it exclusively as like a way of debuffing enemy units because you like you fly it around and you 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 like literally sit it on the flanks of someone. And the sweep, because the sweeping attack means you don't have to be in contact, right? Yeah, you, just, you just move over them, then they get the minus advance and march. Right, so if you're, like, really good at using your march rate to, like, sweep over people and land in, like, dead zones where it can't be attacked, yeah, right, then the debuffs are like casting a debuff spell without having to cast. Yeah, exactly. So it's a debuff in the movement but, but, phase. But, but. So, it, and that's 160 points to have debuffs every movement phase that you have. Yeah. Yes, but it's but it's it's minus two. If it was minus three or minus four, then we would be talking. But one hundred and sixty points to give a unit one unit, mind you, minus two advance rate is is simply not good enough but in you, my book. But you least. can combine it with witchcraft and give more minuses. That's true. Yes, stacking that is true. It has a value there. So 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 maybe there's like a situation where you go full on hammer knights, where you want to kind of boost their movement, debuff your opponent's movement. So you definitely, definitely. So you stick it out like it's a piece of chaff. If people people generally aren't going to charge it because they know it's going to flee. It has to flee. Right, because it has to flee. Uh, then if they don't charge it, then 
then you do a sweeping attack. So it's like they have to choose to charge it to to not get the sweeping attack. Yeah. Right. And this could I feel the like this thing is going to this thing is going to scout in a position where in the beginning of the game where it can use its first turn of movement to really position itself, uh, you know, where it wants to be for more or less the rest of the game. Yeah. And then it's going to be there uh, forever and ever until, you know, it can... The, the one thing that I think it's really useful for is, and one thing that it that justifies uh, the price quite a bit, is actually that it can uh, use flying movement to kind of push units that fly charges off the board. So, so it can, it can use its grind attack. Uh, sorry, uh, it can, can kind of, you know, in the later stages of the game, opponent tries to flee a charge and he can't do, he can't flee a charge from you because you would push him off the board with the Friar's Lance and charging down the side or whatever. Yeah, that's that's so also a, a nice useful use for it as well. But I, th I think you're gonna, you're not gonna find the points for this this unit in your list unless you have, unless you're trying some wacky setup. I think that it's it's definitely designed around either stacking those debuffs, or yeah, stacking those debuffs plus plus putting it in a position where you're making them choose it. If it could it, instead it, of, it, instead of something else, I think it should just be I don't know ten twenty points more expensive and then not forced to flee. I think I think that's something that will kind like of, will be will be kind of ironed out with the community feedback. Yeah. Okay. So what? Or maybe your... I'm just playing wrong. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's good. I would use it if I was playing Kiwi. Fifty by fifty, also base size, so it's like pretty good. Like as far as a chaff unit, like space wise. Yeah. So what's your final uh, positive in the book? Your your out of your top three. Okay, so that's that's just going to be that there are so much variety in the book compared to the old book. You have so many. I you've, I, don't, I haven't counted it, but I'm assuming it's something like double the unit choices, or at least that's what it feels like because I think, I think there's you have like three or four more. Yeah. Yeah, but at the end of the day, you have units such as the um, men at arms, which are essentially three different infantry units in one entry. Yeah. Right. So 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 and and the character section alone between mounts and everything is is much more dynamic. Um, so I, I, you have a much, you have a much broader palette of knights to choose from, and they actually are somewhat specialized. And you can still uh, do uh, some shooting if you want to. And you and I think the new system of having you know the gallantry points is is fucking amazing. Um, it's just a much better way of restricting certain unit choices than rather than points. It it works much better in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's something that you're uh, going to see with all the books moving forward. The warriors have the same. The dread elves will have the same. Yeah. High elves have the same. I think it works uh, a lot better. I think there are a couple of things that are... Uh, I may, for me personally, I think the strongest thing in the book is, is probably Pegasus Knights, simply due to the way they're costed right now. Like They're very cheap. I think yeah, generally I think speaking... You, you, you the, expect them to go up a little bit in the balance patch. Uh, I think so too. They, they seem very, very cheap. I also think that the trebuchet should change. Um, it's it's The 3 by 8 is is way too gimmicky in the sense that people are going 
going to uh, to use them on the flanks and and catch people out with it. So you're going to try to get flanking shots on on enemy units or force them into weird positions, especially against you know let's say you're playing against red elves. If he's he's if he's not paying attention, uh, he's either going to get flank charged or he's going to get defilade fired by a trebuchet, which basically takes off his unit in one shot. Yeah, I think it's something that we're looking at as well in the balance patch. So yeah, yeah, uh, I I kind of agree with you. Like there is a lot of variety, at least compared to the old book. There's like much more list building opportunities in this book compared to the last one. There's lots of different things you yeah. can do. I think you get a lot more options in this book. I think the characters in general like are probably slightly weaker, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. But there's loads. Are they of, weaker? Loads, loads of options. I don't think they're weaker at all. They're stronger. Like the yeah, much stronger. The fact that the BSB is so much better now than he was before is is by itself a huge deal. Okay. Interesting. Um, for to me at least, and and also the fact that you now have options to have eighteen inch uh, reroll, uh, so you can have like a BSB and a hippogriff. Yeah. And uh, you can you can make some very cheap, very fighty characters. Uh, to give you an example, you can have a BSB on a horse with a one-up and a strength seven great weapon, uh, and he has distracting in ongoing combat rounds after the first. So, Pretty and he, you can kind of like you can even points? load up more. Uh, he's four hundred and fifteen points, but mind you, you still get lord level fighting stats. Yeah. Yeah. And and you can also another choice is for this is probably one of the point for point best cowboys in the game at least in my opinion. And you can have a lord on a Pegasus charger, so he's he's flying obviously, and he's got hard target mind you. He's got a one up rerollable uh, arm save, and he can't have better than five up Aegis saves. But you know he has a five up Aegis save, and he's a paladin with shield breaker bastard sword. So he's basically a one on rerollable save character with a ward save that's also shield breaking. Uh, uh, and he's paladin, so he's also giving you an orison token and he has divine attacks, so he basically oh, yeah. counters all of the cowboys. And he's he's 415, 4, 455 points. That's also very cheap. Yeah, so, so a lot of the... So when you if you pour all your upgrades into one lord, then then you keep, they get expensive very fast, but if you keep them around the 400 points level, then they are very points efficient. Okay. And it's, it's something that your opponent is going to have to deal with. Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it's a really good choice, as you say. Um, mm. And there's loads of options. Like You can build so many different builds. Um, I don't know with the new update how, it's gonna, how the points are going to land yet. That's not something that I'm really involved with, but no, no. Um, I, I, you can expect some changes here and there. Yeah, I... I I will say one other thing, or one last thing, is that right now the core is really skewed, in my opinion. Like, auto-sergeants are just much better than everything else in there. Like, much, 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 much better. Why do you think um, that? So, because you have great weapons with hatred, and uh, honesty is, in many situations, better than courage, because you're much more likely to face magical missiles than, or, you know, magical attacks in general. It's just like, for example, against the demon army. <laughs> There's one army in the game where you just have a static better ward save. 
I, I don't uh, think that they're, they're that up. good because they don't have lance formation. They only have a four up save. I don't think. Yeah, it's but it's that strong. It's because it's the combination of like they really take very few casualties. You'd be surprised. Like they, I've seen uh, both uh, Rasmus and uh, I've seen Rasmus play with them against Patrick, and I've seen Patrick play with them against uh, Oliver, and it's, it's the same story every time. Like they just do not die with the uh, with the saves that they have. I guess and they're the cheap as well. Like don't forget, don't forget that they are very, very, very cheap with great weapons. Yeah, I think I think the prices in general need to go up a little bit across the board. Auto Sergeants is just so much better than all the rest because great weapons and hatred. It doesn't matter that their that their stats, their fighting stats are pretty bad because you know, reroll to fifteen hit models with reroll to hit. You know, it's it's, it's it, very often it'll be a unit with a four up war save if it's important, and don't forget it's still a core unit for three hundred points. Yeah, for fifteen models, right? Yeah, and it's fifteen models with good saves. Yeah. And right. it's and crucially, crucially, it's also an Orison source. Not it doesn't give you a token, but you can cast spells from it. You cast Orison spells from it. Okay, so the last point that I'm gonna make is mine's kind of a double I put the same thing in both uh the bad thing and the good thing. So I chose the Fey in general. So I think as a bad side, like the Fey units there's not that many of them. I mean, if you kind of discount the Friar's Lantern as a bit of like a weird choice, you only have the Naiads, the Fey Courtier, and the Fey Knight. And I think we could have been a bit more expansive in what we chose in this category. I think we could have kind of added a, some more interesting units to this category. There's lots of like legends or myths or anything like or in like Arthurian tales that we could have chosen. And I feel like we maybe missed a trick here where we could have added like another one or two units that would be a bit more interesting for the book. I don't know how you feel about that. So obviously I would have said that add these fucking angels and stop this retarded discussion about how it doesn't fit in in a low fantasy faction. But that's just my personal opinion. I mean you you got one uh, angel. I know yeah, I mean, sure. I, for me, at least, I'm. For me personally, I'm gonna use my angel models for sky heralds because I think they work really well for that in general. Um, and I like the sky herald unit and what it gives the army. So for me, it's not a big deal. But I think that's that's the most that would have been the slam dunk in my opinion. Is just to kind of like the ladies courtier is a good, good idea, but just you know make a make a unit of angels or maybe 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 even a big maybe even a big angel and the smaller unit of angels i don't know i think that would have been much more sensical for the army as a general feel yeah yeah i mean i i just wanted to see like more more cool like fey stuff i, th I think the naiads are really yeah. cool i think oh, both the fey knight and the courtier are really cool but i just would have liked to have yeah. seen like something else a bit more interesting we had like kelpies as a unit on the on the design table for some time and it didn't make it and obviously with the face deed is is a is a new mount option but i just would have liked to see that explored a bit more i think it's i think it's at a reasonably well level too because i also agree with everyone although that is of course limited by the fact that you can't take not that much of it but i think that it's it's a good concept to have that 
everything in the other category shouldn't outperform the ninth. So yeah. that, you know, each one of those choices that are in the fake category right now is very specific, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, I agree. And then my positive again was the Fey category itself, because I actually really like all the units in this category. We kind of touched on the Lantern already, and I think it's quite useful with the sweeping attack. Um, I do like the Naiads, although I think they're a bit niche. Um, there's lots of like interesting things you can do with them. I think like the healing waters combination with the Naiads is good because you can lose the like allow models to use lose flaming attacks and then get your healing waters off. Um, if you're going to lose any like special saves, I think that's quite an interesting combo. Also has some good spells. Deceptive glamour is really useful. Um, and having two hit points a model is is kind of deceptive in some way. And I think they actually like don't even fight that badly with two grind attacks with AP three at high agility. Yeah, it's actually the equivalent of having you know four attacks at at moderate weapon skill. Yeah, so I think they're actually pretty pretty strong unit. Like maybe sneaky good. Um, and they are. St- yeah, and like a yeah, three hundred points for like a wizard conclave, which has light troops and all these special rules, I think it could be quite good. Yeah, absolutely. And 100%, I agree. And, the and I mean, the ladies' courtier, there's interesting options. I haven't really quite decided which one I like the most, um, but there's I think it's cool. I think it's just like a cool concept in general, five hit points, and and there's lots of special rules there. Again, I, the both, both the options are quite interesting. Um, like allowing your horses and your hippogriff plus one to hit, I think is quite good. And the the other one, like reducing your casting in value, I think I think that's also quite useful. And like witchcraft adept is obviously like really good in general for this army because allowing you to strike first is like quite a big deal when you're charging with all the strength and all the all the attacks. Yeah. And then lastly, the the Fey Knight. I think you can expect a bit of an update, a bit of a streamlining in the new balance patch. But uh, this model is like so good um, with the ambush rule and just coming out. I think it's really fluffy and also like quite strong. I don't think I I, I think right now the ambush rule is, is so restrictive that it's it's very depending. You know, it, it's not there's not a lot of flexibility in where you can place them. Can you tell me so, a bit about, I mean, about the rule? So it's I. I don't want to go into it too much because maybe this is going to change in some way. Um, but basically, it's like a, a knight demon. It's like a demon which is a knight. This is the green knight. Yeah, the green above. knight. So there's there's uh, two different modes you can have. You can have one which is like um, good at challenges, and it gets like a better age of save and challenge. And then you can and have one is one is a cow, one is a cowboy and one is a lawnmower. Yeah, and exactly. it's basically it's a unit that has special deployment that can ambush from terrain, so yeah. it can deploy any as an ambusher from specific ch- terrain. Uh, sorry, any terrain or just uh, S- no terrain. specific terrain? So it's fields or forests. Yeah. Okay, depending on which one you choose. So, but, so don't so, so don't right put, now don't put your valuable shit near certain types of terrain when you're playing KOE yeah. with a green net. Yeah, green net. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. M- most of the time, this guy is going to start on the table. Yeah, uh, I think you so know, as well. it's. When you it's, ambush, I don't is think it one of those ones where you have to roll to come on the table, or can you? Yeah, exactly, and the, yeah. yeah, and and his his ambush is is too uh, too specific. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, when, Mind I, you, he can, when I played Beast Herds, obviously just coming from any fucking cor- side of the table is 
horrifying for me. Yeah. Like, just going, oh, now you've got fucking three units of 30, like, right up my butt. That feels very uncomfortable. But, like... It's also the, it's also the fact that with ambushes like this guy, there's a, there, there is a, it's small, but there is a risk that he just doesn't show up during the game, and you just don't, and you just lose the points. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're in luck, if, if I'm it's honest, four rolls. Okay, I'm gonna be gonna get a bit of a spoiler now. Yeah, like, do I do the I current, the current score those points if he never shows up? Yeah, exactly. The, cur- uh, the current the current the current you don't need to roll for ambush. You just he just comes on. But the new rules will move a bit more streamlined to the actual ambush rules, so you will have to roll for it. So so he won't be able to start on the table. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he will. But um, currently, if you ambush, he just comes on. You don't need to roll for it. But okay. the new Fey Knight in the new balance update will be slightly different in that... You... But that makes sense. Ambushers should all have the same rules. Yeah. And that's what we, we're going to streamline it a bit more, I think. You don't, new... We don't need another that's one it. of these. It's, not, it's a... not set in stone yet, but it's probably going to be a bit more streamlined to the regular ambush rules. We don't need another one of these Infernal Dwarf fiascos, do we? <laughs> no, definitely not. Where like it's like a million new special rules because they're Infernal Dwarves and we decided that we're making this like a whole new game for them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just fuck everyone else. Can, can, like, just let's just let's just make a new. Let's just make a new ninth days just for this unit or just for this <laughs> army. Fuck all you guys. No big deal. <laughs> oh, sorry. Am I, quick... am I being too sassy right now? No, 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 no. We're, we're no, all, no, everyone's no, on the infernal dwarf bandwagon. Every, every, everybody hates infernal dwarves and regular dwarves. Don't worry. I do bashes. Yeah, but I mean, regular dwarves. At least they've they've been that douchey for like twenty years. Infernal Dwarves, it's like a bunch of fucking guys who play dwarves were like, you know what, the rules aren't special enough for us. Let's make a bunch of extra special rules for this other bunch of dwarves. So let me tell you something. Infernal Dwarves are are the cousins of regular dwarves who are like edgy and emo and go to art school in a big city. Yeah. (laughs) That's basically it. And have a bunch of subs. (laughs) Yeah. Also that. Henry, I gotta ask you, what's with the what's the idea of the ladies' court here, where the one that where he gives plus one to harnessed? Okay, units, so like both so friend the, and foe, like the, what the fuck? So the courtier, uh, you have the courtier of the dawn and the courtier of the dusk. So the idea is that these are going to be a bit more like aligned to like the Kwe gods, like the old gods. So the the fae in general, like the the ladies' court. So. Let me like kind of roll it back a bit, like from what I know about the background. Oh, I just want to know why why it helps the horses attack. That's all I want to know. Yeah, so so we'll we're gonna get there. So what? So the lady is like the new goddess of the Equi- of Equitain, but in the old days they had like they worshipped like a more wider pantheon of gods. So the way that that like the gods work in the ninth age is that like prayers and like sacrifice and offerings kind of give the gods power. So the more the more people that pray for you, the more power you have a, as a god. So in the immortal realm in the ninth age, what happened was that the lady became like the new god of Equitaine, as more people worshipped her. So she got more power, and the old gods kind of moved to the fringes, so they kind of lost all their power, and became more like, let's say, like greater demons in power rather than like fully fledged gods. And so these courtiers are kind of manifestations of these gods that are allowed in the mortal realm. So they're not like fully powerful as demons, but they're like basically demons in their own right, but they're just kind of serving the lady 
uh, avatars yeah avatars of like the old gods Okay. So they're in the court of the lady, but they're not like, they're not the gods, but they're like the different, they're like manifestations of each of the old gods. So like the green knight, for example, is like one of the old gods and the, the like you have this, the stone and what they call the stone and hills or something, field and stone and like steam and spring. So they're kind of like different manifestations of gods. And then the court of the dawn and the court of the dusk are also similar manifestations of the gods. I think we actually might update the names in the next patch so you'll get a little bit more info there. So the quality of the dawn with like the plus one to hit with harnessed. So what we wanted to kind of invoke with this is more like um, like a bestial god, which is like a bit more kind of uh, invigorating the animals and the wild things in the in Equitain. Should have to be druidism if it's. If that's if that's what you're doing, you shouldn't be able to. Pick this doesn't right. have any magic. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, because the unit the unit can ch- can choose. Yeah, well, that's this one. Right? That's this one. Oh, okay. So we're talking about the quarter of the dawn right now. So that's oh, okay. that's more like a, like if you want to put it in like a like an old Warhammer term, it's like the beast magic guy, who's like kind of like feral and angry, and he's like the beasts around him are getting also angry and he's like more bestial and more aggressive. So he has extra attacks and he can fly because he's some kind of like manifestation of like a, like a, a beast thing with wings. Oh. So he's like that sort of God. Like, I don't know the, I'm not really like so clued in on the gods. That I could give you a name for the God, but this sort of God is like, um, like a, a God of the wilds. And then, okay, okay. and then the other one is more like, um, it could be, I, I don't know if it's specifically related to the Quinn and, and their God, but like the, having the witchcraft of witchcraft adept or druidism adept is kind of giving you two sides of a God's nature and that it could be like a healing God or a, a trickster God. Okay. But it's like reflecting. Does that make sense? Pretty cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was the that was the the idea behind this, and it also it we wanted them both to have like a double edged sword, and I think we came up what we came up with kind of fits that in in both respects. Yeah, sure. So I think that's our review of the KOE. Um, I know Christopher, you said overall you had like a really good feeling for the book and you really liked it, but like Alex, what's your thoughts now? You've had like a a brief overview of what we like and what we don't like. Uh, based on this, I think there's a bunch of shit that's uh, obviously going to ruin my armies. Um, <laughs> so, fu- so fuck, fuck the Kingdom of Equitain would be my my overall assessment. <laughs> you, but, haven't, uh, you haven't even seen the magic items. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I like that it seems, it, even though there's like some flexibility in these different. Uh, characters and units and special units to like go one way or another um, I like that there's not so many if you know what I mean not so many like like for example there's not so many characters there's not like it's not like they've it's not like we, you didn't throw the kitchen sink at this at this yeah um, I mean the, it's quite a simple book I think the complexity comes in the characters section with all the options that you have when you're building your characters 
and the Horizon system in general. But the rest yeah. of the actual army itself is quite simple. I think there's going to be a bunch of stuff when I actually play against them that I'm going to be super pissed about. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but as a whole, it seems like definitely better thought out than some of the other books we reviewed. Like yeah, I agree like, with than, that. like than the 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 Raven Swarm or the Vermin Swarm. Vermin Swarm, you know that. That book drove me fucking crazy. ID drove me fucking crazy. You know what I mean? Like this, I'm not as like I don't feel like I want to vomit right now. Right? <laughs> That's a good sign. Maybe when I play them, I'll fucking hate it. But like right now, I'm not completely outraged. Like obviously, there's a couple of things I think that should get thrown in the garbage. But I think that about most of the books that aren't the Warriors. So. <laughs> Let's see when you get to play Christopher when he's when he's back in town. Yeah. When you come back, uh, Christopher, you can bring your fucking dorky knights out here, and then we'll have a little go. <laughs> uh, I'm, pro- I'm probably gonna bring the demons, dude. Like that's that's demons just my better. that's my love these days. Demons that's top, fine top. as long as you paint them in different colors, so I can know what's what. That's fine with me. <laughs> nah, no, I'm a good guy in turn. I'm a hobby he's, hero. Christopher's gonna that. paint I'm his not... movement trays in red and blue and green for you. <laughs> Proper. Definitely hero. not gonna do that. Proper hero <laughs> stuff, right there. Uh, yeah, I've I've put some of the pictures up on the uh, Amazon P log. I haven't put up oh, the nice. work in progress stuff because you know I think it's more like for completed images. So. No, I mean uh, we don't. I don't think we we don't reserve it for completed images. You can do in yeah, progress. You can put, stuff. You can put work in progress. Henry's stuff. definitely put some busted ass shit up there before. I always I only put like finished stuff on there. I did, no some there was some earlier some right at the beginning there was some in progress uh, things maybe, there. but. Uh, but the reason why I put where almost all of my or pretty much all of mine were finished is because I had already finished a bunch of models when the P log came up. So, <laughs> I, was like, so stuff. I was like, "Wow, well, I've got a bunch of shit. I'm not just gonna show like one picture of everything I've painted and then post nothing. So I'll just like, spread <laughs> this out." But now that I've got some new stuff coming down the pipeline, maybe next month I'll have something new to put in there. <laughs> and I mean, I'm I'm That's updating good. that as we go, so you can you can find that on the user blog section, Amatime P log. I cannot wait to share my fucking Feldrak elders, though. Get them painted, dude. Well, I just I'm on the way, man. I <laughs> I put custom fucking weapons in them, on them. I fucking put custom bases on. I built wicked rock formations out of out of cork. I'm a fucking. I'm doing. I'm doing it boss style. Okay. I'm fucking really pimping it out. <laughs> top, top of the line, top range fucking stuff. Okay. Proper twelve quality. You know. <laughs> All right. On that note, we are going to call it a day. So yeah. uh, thank you from me. Thank you from Alex and Christopher. And if you want to go on our sponsors page, you can find that a weird hyphen farm or weird dash farm miniatures dk. Um, for all your 3D printing needs and we're going to see you on the next episode.